0: Let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and it's the Trappist special.
1: Yeah, looking forward to this one, Steve. Yeah,
0: we are going to be doing a few beers. A few beers. So
1: we're getting a bit technical tonight,
0: and, and historical, Hito- as, as and well. factual. Yes, all, all the things that people want to listen to, Yes, all of the time. Um, and we have a beer in glass to, to start off with. We have, which uh, I think a few people have heard of by now. Yes, it's very much the beer of the moment, isn't it? Yes, so definitely. This is, um, this is the Tint Meadow from um, the Mount St. Bernard Monastery in, in Colville. Cheers. Cheers. God, that's got some nose on it, hasn't it's it? It's like
1: a sort of rich fruitcake
0: aroma. yeah. I'd, I'd go it's a it's a lit, it's it's got kind of the boozyness on the nose, almost yeah. like um like boozy raisins yeah. as as well. Oh, I'm looking forward to trying this. Well mm. sweet. It is
1: very sweet. Try imaginable mellow a little bit over time yeah. anyway. Um that boozy booziness sort of coming through on the aroma isn't really present it's not, in is the mouthfeel, the flavour or the aftertaste. Yeah,
0: it's I mean it's uh, on on that first sip that's a real smooth drink, yeah. That is hiding its 7.4 oh, percent yeah, well. I would say it's mid fives, yeah. Easily now, we're we're really lucky to have had these because these were sent to us by um the owl lady, um, who also sent us the appropriate glassware. Yes, to, uh, thank you very much for both and, to be around the glassware. And there is a reason why, why she sent us this because, um Danny, as our newly appointed Midlands correspondent, yeah, congratulations on the promotion, Danny. <laughs> Welcome to the family. Yep. Um, actually went up to the, um, the, the monastery and got to have a look around and have a look at the setup there. But she also sat down with uh, the Abbot, uh, or as I like to refer to him, the chief monk, <laughs> <laughs> um, and recorded a great interview with, with Father Eric, which goes into quite a lot of detail. Um, around the beer and the setup, and, and also the history of the, the Trappist movement. Yes. So um, we're actually going to stop talking for a while. We're going to sit back and enjoy our Tint Meadow while you get to listen to, to Danny
2: chatting to Father Eric. We had been in contact with a couple of monasteries that were brewing, which ones do you um, remember? Well, the, 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 the one that was the, the most important contact for us initially, and, and, and remains uh, very close to us, is the monastery of Norcia in, in northern Italy.
3: Oh, right. They're the,
2: the, the Benedictine monks. Yes. And they set up a brewery about six years ago. I, I, th- I think they opened it in 2012.
3: Oh, gosh, they're quite new, so I guess yep. they were a good source of...
2: They were great. um So uh, I I was teaching in Rome for a bit uh, and I got to know one of the brethren from there um, while I was in Rome at that time I I didn't know anything about brewing Um, and I didn't know anything about the microbrewery revolution (laughs) Um, and I just assumed that brewing was something that was done industrially and uh, and when I heard about this relatively small community setting up their own independent brewery it interested me so we've been going there and they came here to tell us about their experience of setting something up and they could answer lots and lots of questions. So they, 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 they've been an invaluable point of contact.
3: Excellent. And have you? did you contact any of the other Trappist breweries around the Later world? Later on, mm-hmm. um,
2: uh, and they've been very, very helpful as well. And we became members fairly early on of the International Trappist Association. Mm-hmm. Which is a sort of business council of the, I mean, it, it's an uh, unofficial business council of the order, but a, a, a forum for sharing experience and for setting good trading standards and standards of quality. As, as I'm sure you know, the um, the Trappist Association isn't only uh, concerned with beer. Uh, you have also have monasteries making cheese or chocolate or washing up liquid or whatever you like. You see, I didn't know that. Okay, no, no, no that, that's quite an important, <laughs> it's quite an important washing thing. up liquid. Yes. Gosh, okay,
3: I'm glad you've chosen beer It's a
2: slightly more scintillating option
3: (laughs) (laughs) And why, so what I mean, you've explained Mm. about the cheese obviously, the the distribution, the shelf life everything (laughs) Um, I mean with regards to enjoying your own produce Mm. with cheese and Mm. things like that, because you're vegetarian so that that would be great, now with regards to beer you're allowed to drink, aren't you? I was going to ask actually, but is it vegan? I don't, do you know if it's? I don't know if, if you know if it's if it's vegan friendly because there's a lot of.
2: I wouldn't... I will able, ask brother Michael you know, no, do, when we go no. over there.
3: Yeah, um, but do you get a chance to enjoy the beer that you okay, brew? So I mean,
2: what, what, what we do is we um, on, on a on a feast day, uh, we will have a, a, a beer or wine in the refectory.
3: How often do you have a feast day? I'm intrigued. Well, they
2: would be... I mean, it depends on the liturgical calendar. Right. Uh, so it, uh, sort of a, a, an ecclesiastical feast, but obviously Christmas and Easter. Oh, I see what you uh, mean. Okay, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, and then other major days in the calendars or perhaps once a month or something. Excellent. Because mm. I was...
3: I, I mean, I'm a total novice when it comes to anything monastic. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know. Obviously, I've got all the preconceived ideas, but... Yeah, not I, record, possibly. Yes, I'm sure. So, <laughs> not I not
0: Preconceived ideas, I guess. I yeah.
3: know, yeah, exactly. I mean, I did, I did a lot of Google, <clears> obviously. <throat> I've read your Wikipedia page okay. um, <laughs> to do oh, my you, research. You know, that,
2: that, I, 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 I never
3: have. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I wouldn't know how much of it is accurate anyway. No, I, I, that's why I don't
2: read it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but read about the various people that have come to... Um, uh, be uh, be peaceful here, I mm-hmm. suppose. Um, there's Sir Alec Guinness back in well, yeah, that's the eighties, well, well, apparently. I mean,
2: he, he, uh, Sir Alec Guinness was a serial writer of autobiographies, mm-hmm. so that he, he himself has provided <laughs> how many lives did he have? <laughs> yeah, he himself has provided various accounts of this, but in one of them, he says that he, he'd he'd thought about converting to Catholicism for a long time. But before taking the plunge, he said he wanted to see the the, the very worst of the church. So he came here. Oh, charming. <laughs> <laughs> um, because he thought the Cistercians of the strict observance are bound to be awful. <laughs> <laughs> I was
3: going to ask you, you get Cistercian. I didn't yeah. know whether Cistercian or Cister- okay, hmm? Cistercian. Hmm? Right. And you're the only one left in the UK, aren't you?
2: Not in the in England. In England, okay. There's one in Scotland and one in Wales and one in Northern Ireland.
3: Oh, okay. Right. So you're the only one in England.
2: And monastic names and denominations tend to be derived from place names. Yeah. As is the case for Cistercians. So, uh, um, what we refer to in our jargon as the mother house, uh, so so where the order was founded, is a place called Cîteaux in Burgundy. All oh, right. right. Um, and Cito comes into Latin as Cistercium. So a Cistercian is simply someone who hails from Cistercium. So, so, so someone who has his origins at Cito.
3: Okay, that's oh, good. And it's the notion of Trappist, likewise,
2: <laughs> um, is a reference to a monastery in Normandy that has played an important part in our history called La Trappe. Uh, so someone who is a Trappist is simply someone who has an historical connection. With the monastery of La Trappe.
3: The order was, I, it's been going since the tw- 12th century? Oh, mm-hmm. it's the 11th century. Yep. See, I told you Wikipedia would get it wrong. Yeah, 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 they no, said no, no, the 12th century. It, yeah. <laughs> mm. Wow, so it's been going that long. And this is the first time that a UK Trappist abbey, a Trappist monastery, has decided to brew beer.
2: no. <laughs> ooh, well, it, ooh. It, it, it is the, um, because we, 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 we know that our brethren here were brewing in the 19th century. <gasps> as, as, you know, many farms would have done. Right. Um, partly because, you know, the drinking water may have been a bit dodgy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, at, at that time, there would have been a certain number of day labourers and they would have expected a pint of something at midday that's um, rude not to I, <laughs> yes, exactly.
3: I offer them a cup of tea but, you know,
2: I'll rethink that from now on we were given a, a, a book last year which a, a friend of our community had found in a junk shop um, which was a history of North West Leicestershire chimney sweeps which might not seem as the ultimate page turner it's, it's but not they, something I'd pick up to they, be honest they, they'd, <laughs> they'd seen that there was a picture of the monastery in it so they thought we might want it and um, it simply tells the story of how this particular group of sweeps would come here once a year um but it says just incidentally that they were always very appreciative of the monks table beer ah! um, so we we, we, we have a, a, an historical reference um to brewing at mount st bernard and clearing out an attic recently we found a couple of jugs marked guesthouse beer um,
3: I fun, so have you got them out and dusted them off and oh, yes. used them for the new
2: brew? <laughs> Not quite, but I think they're on display in the guest house. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, I couldn't resist drinking out of them if I was you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd have to. So we, so we know that there has been brewing before, mm-hmm. uh, but obviously at, at, at that point there, there wasn't such a thing as a Trappist beer gimmick.
3: Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, but now, because the beer drinking community and people who love beer. I mean, the Trappist beers are revered. Um, we love them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So the excitement, the buzz around this, I don't know if you felt it on the press day two days ago, is it's quite... Yeah, people no, no, it, are very it, it, chuffed.
2: It, 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 it keeps astonishing us, really. And, and obviously we're very happy that people are interested.
3: You seem, you seem remarkably relaxed about it. Now, there are brewers launching breweries all over the place mm-hmm. um, who... I mean it's a massive venture for them and it's a big risk for mm. them because it's, it's they stake everything mm. on it that's their business uh, this is what I was <laughs> going to ask I mean do you feel the pressure of the other 11 mm. Trappist breweries across the world they've got such a reputation do you feel the pressure to be that UK Trappist brewery now everybody's so yeah, I mean, excited they're, they're, about it
2: I suppose we do to some extent um, but uh, we've We've taken a lot of advice, including from the other Trappist monasteries. Um, we've had excellent advice in setting up our brewery, in organising our training, and, and in devising our recipe, um, and we're fairly confident. We, we, we said from the beginning that if we're going to do this, we have to do it excellently. There's just no, no point in doing something which is... Half hearted, or w- 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 what is not of excellent quality. I like the cut of your jib. So, um, <laughs> and, and to be honest, given all the hard work, we, we spent five years preparing this.
3: Uh, that was going to be another mm. one of my questions. Yep. Five years,
2: mm. gosh. And we've, we've taken the best advice we could get, and from the feedback we've had so far, we're fairly confident that perhaps what we've made isn't entirely unworthy i can't wait to try it mm.
3: um, with regards to the recipe i'm mm. not going to ask you for a secret mm. recipe don't worry but with influences did you or brother michael or whoever's actually brewing it did you i don't know take taste go around tasting different beers to gain influence we, we had from to, that? to do a
2: lot of scientific testing i'm sure you yeah. did But then ours is a life of mortification.
3: Were there any do you remember any particular beers that you tasted and thought they've got it, or were there certain flavours you were getting where you just thought, oh, I'd really like to emulate that or have that in my beer? Well, obviously,
2: what what, what we've been aspiring to do is to make something which is new, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've been most concerned with uh, trying to establish (laughs) a style uh, and. programmatic decision we made fairly early on again based on good advice um, the, I think it was the, the first meeting I attended of the the, the, the board of the or, of the, the brewery Commission of the AIT the International Trappist Association um, the the other brewing monasteries said you know if we may offer some fraternal advice uh, don't make an imitation Belgian beer uh, good um, make something which is based on, on, on local tradition um, and develop something which is really your own uh, rather than try and imitate a uh, Vesmael So, I mean, obviously we've got Burton-on-Trent just down the road um, and we're in beer territory. So we've been sampling English ales. Um, we wanted I to make something I which pity was you having dark. to do all that research. It was hard. <laughs> 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 we wanted to make something which was, um, which was fairly strong but not too strong, and um, something that, something that our, I think it was at West and that we were told this first. But we we liked it. Um, the brewmaster there said, "Remember, a good beer is liquid bread, not coloured water." <laughs> Excellent, mm-hmm. excellent. So we wanted to make something which was substantial, and nourishing, but at the same time that had a certain elegance. With um, uh, to, to contextualize a little bit, you know, as we said earlier on, we're, we're part of, of a monastic tradition that goes back. I mean, in 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 terms of of the monastic institution, it goes back sixteen hundred years. Our order goes back nine hundred and fifty years. Um, and it has an aesthetic of its own um, uh, and there is such a thing as a a, a Cistercian, you can recognize a Cistercian church or a Cistercian ruin and one quality which is characteristic of of Cistercian building, of Cistercian music of Cistercian farming is the quality of simplicity Um, you know, in the 12th, 13th century uh, people were keen on categorization and and they they, they articulated their ideals and simplicitas was articulated as a certain ideal now to to pursue simplicity is not to do something simply or on the cheap uh, but a simple design um, a simple construction is rather a distillation of complexity it's bringing something together, you know, in the way you construct an arch or you design a window Uh, or you sow a field which is so carefully planned and so deliberate that once you've done it, it just looks obvious. You look at it and you think, well, it just has to be like that. Um, So it has that quality of being obvious and of being beautiful. And we've sort of wanted to brew in that way.
3: And what's the beer called? I can't remember. It's called
2: Tint Meadow. Tint Meadow, Mm. and why? Well... As you know, very well, um, a lot of the abbis, Trappist beers are named not after the monastery, but after the place. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, you know we have Chimé beer, mm-hmm. but the monastery is called Notre-Dame de Scourmont. Right. But the, the place where the monastery is built is called Chimé, and that goes for several of the others as well. Mm-hmm. We were told or advised very early on that uh, we wouldn't have the option of calling mm-hmm. ours anything to do with Mount St. Bernard given that there are already at least two very established beers called something with St. Bernard. And I gather they're quite protective of that that particular turf. So people said to us, people in the know, just save yourself that that particular hardship of uh, endless and uh, issueless conversations. So we started thinking about the place our postal address is Colville we thought of Colville beer um, but we weren't entirely convinced
3: it doesn't have that elegance that you've mm. been talking about nothing no. against Colville, it's no, no, a beautiful no, no, place no.
2: <laughs> and th- this particular area of the National Forest is called Charnwood Forest which is nice but there is already a Charnwood Brewery in Loughborough and so one of the brethren came up with Tint Meadow which is, I can show it you later if you like it. It, it, it it's a field just over that wall mm. Um, which was the site on which our founders settled when they arrived in 1835. Brewing is only one of the things that we do. Um, We intend to brew to live, not to live to brew. Um, So ours will be a fairly limited production. We intend to brew once or at most twice a week. Right. Um, So we will have an annual production of at first, of about a thousand hectolitres, and we would aspire to perhaps double that.
3: And with regards to the brewing, training, mm? or anything like that, did um, who did did some of the monks go on courses? Did somebody oh, yes. come here? Yes, and, just...
2: and also, and and and, and above all, the, the brethren who are involved in the brewing have been very carefully tutored. Um, a, a man who should be mentioned, who's been a, really an essential part of this product, project. Is a Belgian, uh, or Dutch brewmaster called Constant Kainemans, um who has already uh, been a great help to one of our uh, sister houses in Holland, uh, the Monastery of Zundert. Uh, he helped them establish their brewery, and he has been just brilliant uh, from the beginning. So he's he's helped us design the brewery, and and he supervised the training, uh, and, and 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 he is still. You know, our, our, our consultant. So when some, something goes wrong, we can ring him up, and, and he will come and visit regularly. Oh, that's and, 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 and And also help, you know, to, to ensure a, a rigorous quality control.
3: Mm-hmm. Are you just going to stick with the one beer, or would you consider doing different for, styles? For, or? For,
2: for, for now, certainly, we'll stick with yeah. the one beer. And I mean, again, as you know, it, it's a th- 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 mm-hmm. that would be a. That, that would be a Trappist particularity, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a monster would tend to have one or two or three beers. I mean, I, I think it's brilliant that, you know, Orval has yes. only ever had the one beer. Mm, I mean, th- 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 there is a table beer that you can get on tap there, uh, but the, the bottled beer that you can buy, an Orval is an Orval.
3: Was it difficult to get permission to set up the brewery? I mean, there's... Who's permission? Oh, gosh,
2: anybody's, the council, just... Did you because
3: have to? Did you have to seek permission?
2: Well, well, we, 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 we don't need permission from anyone other than ourselves. <laughs> I, I, the, uh, the, the press agency that works for James Clay um, mm. sent me cuttings, and there's been quite a lot of, of, uh, of attention in the last couple of days. And I, I read on some site just this morning that uh, the monks of Mount St Bernard have received permission from the Pope to open their <laughs> own brewery. Now, the, the Pope. God bless him, hasn't actually had anything to do with this. <laughs> so we can, I think that's we, commonly we, we, known as we, fake news. We, 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 can, we can absolve him of any responsibility. <laughs> um, so Don't know if
3: he enjoys a tipple, right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> send him a bottle, get we his feet we, 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 we could try. <laughs> could we <not> <laughs> yes, exactly. so, but in the taking of any big decision like this, um, monastic life works very democratically. So, so it happens by vote, um, a vote of the chapter. No. If, if you've been to a, 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 a any cathedral or a, med, a, a, a medieval monastery, you would have seen the chapter room. Um, the chapter is simply the community of professed members, right? Um, and it's the, the chapter room is where we gather.
3: Is it like the, a boardroom? It in is a bit. It, it in... is a bit
2: like that. Okay. It was originally uh, the, 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 the chapter, as a human group, is called after the room, and the room is called a chapter. Because it's where we meet each morning to read a chapter of the Rules and Benedict. Ah, um, okay. So that, thats the extension of sense. Um, so, um, for a big decision like this, you know, we spent a lot of time talking through everything, and you know, a- addressing questions, anxieties, uncertainties, taking Cost. advice exactly, <laughs> yeah, and, and budgeting. And then, when we were ready, um, we gathered to take a capitular vote so a vote of the chapter and uh, the, the vote was very clear that it was what the community <laughs> had, um.
3: and there there are you're in production
2: now but oh yes uh, uh, father michael is brewing as we speak fantastic so he's waiting for us there <gasps>
3: mm. well we can head over if you yep. if you
2: want to Absolutely. yeah let's
3: go ahead
0: okay so that was um danny and, and father eric um Thanks again to, to Danny, who, who you can find on Twitter as the Hour at the Hour Lady, uh, for going up and recording that for us. Um, I found that interview so fascinating. Um, I thought it was excellent.
1: I, I also loved the fact that it, it sort of spun off to stuff about the actual Trappist movement, yep. the themselves, some history of the area. It was quite. There was a lot in there in that twenty odd minute. Interview. It was.
0: It was. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, there was. There were some real standouts There's some nice little highlights, right weren't there? I, I particularly liked the, um, the absolute innocence of, of Father Eric um, saying that he didn't know anything about this microbrewery revolution that was going on. I know. I, I know. just thought that was so innocent. And sometimes I think, wouldn't it be lovely to live in that bubble? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think one of the other things I liked was the fact that the, um, the Trappist basically have a business council. Mm. I've got I've got this big round table now in my head, or an oval table with like a whole load of Trappist monks all bringing their various wares, yeah, including the washing up liquid
0: and and cheese. That's what what else is it they do? They do. um, They're known for doing beer, wine, cheese, and washing up liquid. Yeah. The other the other quote I liked um,
1: from from Father was the um, the one about uh, liquid bread rather than coloured water.
0: Yeah, I think I think that was brilliant. I, I think every every brewer. Should should go by that, yeah. So so obviously we've been enjoying the, the the beer while while you were listening to that.
1: It's far too enjoyable for seven point four percent. It's
0: very drinkable, isn't it? I mean, I am. I've got to say, I've I've got another bottle sat at home in my cellar, and I'm glad I've got another bottle because I think this is this is going to develop over the next oh, year, I think, eighteen months. Yeah, I
1: think. I mean, it's got two years on the bottle. I mean, they brought. They said in you know the farmer said during the interview that they're only. They've got no intention of brewing a second beer at the moment. It's, no, it's so one beer. it's just this year. You know, and let's face it, most of the other Trappist breweries that we're aware of only do a very really limited range. It's not like they do a, a, seat, a beer every so often and they've got a whole set. It's two or three beers that yeah. are, they're all known for, isn't it? Um, but if you're nailing a beer, like these guys have, um, why not? It's it's, um, it's basically like an English... Strong old ale, almost for me.
0: It is the the, the thing that instantly leapt to mind when I when I took my first suit was broadside. I can and see well, that the closest comparison I can make. Yeah, here. And, we, and we
1: shared we we shared about yesterday. Yeah, as it happens, didn't we? So I, I can definitely see where you're getting that comparison, and this is still another one percent on top of that.
0: Yeah, because it's that it's that it's that lovely rich fruitcake. Mm. It's that boozy edge. It's that lovely earthy woody fin- finish. It's,
1: to it's, it's it. basically. A beer crying out for a lump of cheese.
0: Oh, isn't it just... Oh, cheese with this would be off the charts. Yeah,
1: you you, you would be tempted... To, if you were having cheese with this, you'd be tempted to take out that second bottle of yours in the cellar to oh, carry on the experience. Well, it would be.
0: Put, put it away. That, that That bottle's staying away until I've got a nice bit of cheese to go with it. And <laughs> I think that's a good idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lovely beer. I mean, I, I like the design of the glasses. It's very simple.
0: especially like a chalice. Oh, the, the whole production on it, though, isn't it? Because, yeah. the, it, it, like you say, it's a chalice... And then it's got this very simple logo on it and that logo is uh, essentially a silhouette of the window in, in the monastery yep. tower. Um, the name of the beer is from the local field. Yeah. Uh, you know, he spoke about all of that oh, and the, the, why the, they chose the name the, as the, well. You know, who, the, who they've worked with,
1: they've done well on this. Yeah. Let's not make any bones about it because as far as I'm aware, the monks don't have a social media presence as such. But this has been everywhere on social media, at least in my feed it has. We,
0: well, without them doing anything <laughs> yeah.
1: about it, yeah. You yeah. know, So the company they've worked with and the company who's worked with James Clay have done a fantastic job of getting this out there. Um, but, you know, Danny was right during the interview. We do go mad usually for Trappist beers. Yeah. I, I have before I even before the micro and craft beer revolution, because I've been going to Belgium for a number of years, and I've always loved them. I haven't really thought much about it. I just know I've always liked them. Yeah. You know, and we're, we're going to do a bit of a journey through them tonight as well. Um, but what, like I said, what they've done is they've, they've done an English version of a, of a Trappist beer.
0: And they've done it incredibly well. Yeah. And I, I don't think it was mentioned in the interview that they've used all native mm. ingredients as well. So, so it's all of the ingredients from England mm. uh, as well. So staying stay true to its heritage.
1: I mean, the other thing is, I mean, obviously said, so, you know, again, referring back to the interview that it was a risk all breweries take a risk starting up and stuff, and he said, well, it's a risk for us as well. I mean, traditionally, these, they're not, monasteries especially, tend not to have a lot of wealth. So, you know, you have to wonder, how did they bring the money together? Well,
0: previously to, to this, they had a herd of cattle. So they had a herd of cows. They had um, a 120-strong herd that basically weren't making them enough money. So, so they sold the herd and they essentially used the the income from that sale to then look at setting up the brewery and the brew house and getting the monks on training because all the monks have been through training as well. They've been on um, brew lab courses to actually learn how to brew oh, cool. as, as, as well. So they they've, not, well. they've not just gone into it blindly. Well, you say it was five years in the making, yeah, which the, ties in with your
1: 2012 of the selling, you know. 2014. 2014. Yeah. So it's literally the, the cash cow surprise surprise. Yeah. Wow, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying to just work through that pun. Yeah. Then, okay, okay, sorry, really it's an early out. pun, and this is before we have Sean beers Yeah, um, no, I've, I, but I think going back to the interview, I just found it really fascinating. And I, um, I thought Father Eric, he was so not naive isn't the right word. It was, it was just a different look, a different outlook, and a different take on things.
0: Yeah, not the sort of take that we'd normally no. take on things. No. And and I did I did love that there was a certain innocence in there, but also he had this ability to be an absolute politician at times as well. So there, there were two things for yep. me. There was there was the one where Danny said to him, "Did you have to get permission to do this?" And he was like, "Permission from who?" Yeah. It's <laughs> like as if to say, "Well." We own this, we can do what we want with it. And and the second one was when he was talking about naming it and the very shrewd answer he gave around why they couldn't call it anything to do with Bernard in the title as well, which we'll come on to later. Did it very well. Yeah, did it very well. He's
1: obviously, I mean, they tend to be fairly learned people often. Um, and And that came across as well. Yeah. You know, the guy was a learned guy. This was an interview on the fly. Yeah, I really enjoyed listening to him. I could have listened to him for a bit longer. I could
0: have listened to him all day long. Yeah. Uh, I really could have done. So,
1: again, thank, thank Danny, thanks for doing the interview for us and thanks for sending us the beer and the glasses.
0: Yeah, and I hope everyone enjoyed it as, as much as we did. Yeah. So, while we're finishing off the the, the Tint Meadow. Not, um, much, not much of it left to There isn't much of it left, no. Um, what have you been up to since uh, the last show, mate? A um,
1: couple of local. Well, say local. One of them used to be local, so the Harridge town brewery festival which they ho- host at the local readout fort which is basically around fort which I've, I've spoken about before over the last couple of years yeah i've been the last yeah. couple of years with, with, with and um michael michael often goes with me and i have to meet up with my friend carl who's a listener of the show as well so hello carl um and we got there for about middays we usually do and we had a very pleasant five or so out five or so hours and then Carl suggested we should repair to the Victoria in Colchester. Yes, I heard you had uh, made your way there. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I certainly didn't need any more beer. However, I wasn't going to turn down the opportunity to go to the Vic. And I'm fairly certain Carl Carl was uh, using me as an excuse to go there as well, but that was fine. Um, so treated uh, myself and Michael to a pizza from over the road. and Because the Vic doesn't do food, so they're more than happy for you to bring food in. So that was good. So that was a very pleasant way of spending a Saturday afternoon at the end of July before I went off to Centre Parks. Um, but this weekend, Michelle and myself went to a local brewery tap room to where I am now in South Essex. Leon C. Brewery, who a few people may have heard of now. Mm. Um, I think they're
0: beginning to make a few yeah, waves, aren't they?
1: They're, they're this week, GBBF, so they've got their beers down there for the first time. They've been about a brewery about a year in production now. Uh, they've won a few local awards. They had a few beers on down at the Rake a few months ago. Um, and I know that they've had uh, some decent contact with, uh, with Matt Chenery half pint gent um, but yeah some really so they've got some really nice beers um, the Legra Palo 3.8% uh, they do bottle cask and keg single hop citra really nice beer and we had walked there which is about four and a half miles and Michelle went straight in on that one mm. I went for the cask but I did get round to the Legra Palo and it was perfect but I had a longer while I was there and that was really good. You would have liked, liked that one on a nice and cold on a hot day. Do a couple of really good dark beers of which to stand out. their Imperial Stout SS9, which I think might be the postcode, but I'm not sure. I
0: think we've had that at uh, Bottle share. Someone's brought that along to Bottleshare.
1: I've only I had don't it, think you were there. No, I had it at the Billy Ricky Brew Spring Festival. There, and um, really tasty drop. Really tasty. Uh, I, I, that's six months apart and I enjoyed it both times. So yeah, I've, I've been fairly I've been North Essex and South Essex for my mm. beery adventures. What about yourself? Have you stuck to the locale or have you gone further afield?
0: I've, I've I've had one where I went further afield, and I've I've been enjoying quite a few beers at home as well. And I'm I'm just going to start off by giving mentions to two beers that I've had at home, which, which both reached the lofty heights of a five on on untapped. Ooh. So first one was um, recent collaboration as part of their Continental series between Four Pure did a series of uh, collabs yeah, yeah, yeah. with breweries from around the world so they did one with uh, Bear Republic which was a pure West Coast IPA called NorCal and it was in a 500ml can and it took me about 10 minutes to drink it it was absolutely perfect so in, you, like, you like that one then? I, I like that yeah it was in terms of in the style it absolutely nailed the style it was about 6.5% as well really drinkable but all of that and I think it, it, when I checked it in, I think the words I actually used were, this beer reminded me of the beers that I drank when I fell in love with beer. Ah, oh, no, so I remember seeing that comment yeah. you're checking there. It was it was spot on. And and the other one, in, in direct contrast to that, was a brewery that so far, every beer I've had from them has been stunning, and that's Wonder Beyond from, from Manchester. You've been really loving their beers recently, yeah, haven't you? Yeah, I absolutely loved all of the variations of the milkshake IPA that I had from the small milkshake, or the mini milkshake as it was called, right up to the imperial milkshake. But they recently released one called Bloom, which was an imperial milkshake black IPA with strawberry, chocolate and vanilla in it. So it was basically a a Neapolitan black IPA. Now, I had it on a hot day, and I also stuck it in the freezer for about 10 minutes before I had it to really chill it. Yeah. I absolutely drained the glass. It was eleven percent. It didn't taste anywhere near it, but it tasted like strawberries at the at the start. It had a lovely tart finish, and then the chocolate and the vanilla came through. And on the finish, it just had this smooth creaminess. Black IPA or or or, or stout, but it was just incredible. It was so drinkable. It sounded. I
1: mean, it sounded amazing, and you because we obviously we, we caught up earlier this weekend as well, and. You were talking about that one, so it's obviously one which is really stuck in your mind. Oh
0: yeah, I was gutted to have only been able to get one can of it, because it seems as though they've just released, or recently released, four new cans, but they seem to be in less quantity when, than when they released their first four cans okay. earlier in the year. I don't know if they've had some production problems, or whether producing an 11% Imperial Milkshake Black IPA means you get less cans. <laughs> well, I mean, it costs a lot to produce those beers, doesn't I'm, it? I'm sure it does. Um, so that's that's the stuff that I've kind of done at home um, And then away I uh, was invited To the London Craft Beer Festival uh, This past weekend Which was held at Tobacco Dock in London Now obviously full disclaimer there By, by saying I was invited I was gifted the ticket by a, a press company Called Fraser Communication Who got in touch and said did we want to go What session would we like to go to I happened to be free So, so I went along to it Now obviously I've gone on record in the past to say not a fan of the, the all-in ticket because yep. I'm not sure that you get your money's worth um, so the ticket would have been £45 went along for the afternoon managed to drink 20 beers in, in the time that I was there so 20 measures of, of different beers and I've got to say I loved the venue I think the venue was perfect for a beer yeah, festival this is the
1: first year they've been at Tobacco Dock is yeah, it? Yeah,
0: there, there were a few pinch points Around the, the various locations within the dock, but despite the fact that the queue when I first got there was around the block, not once did it feel crowded in there, mm-hmm. so it, it felt like there was plenty of room to, to move around, which
1: is good because uh, I didn't go when they were down at the Hoxton Circus, but I did go three times to Oval Space, yeah, and that always got hot and busy,
0: yeah. And, and what this new venue allowed as well, because they, they obviously had the mix of, they had some live music, they had some DJs there, but they were in separate areas, almost like in, in, in breakout areas. So although there was a couple on at a time, the music never kind of crossed over and it wasn't too loud. Which again, an oval
1: space, it was right in the yeah. middle, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Now, I'm not sure whether on Saturday evening, maybe the, the volume might have gone up a little bit on, on the music. Who, who knows, they might have kept it down for the afternoon, but it certainly didn't deter from the festival. So, so far, everything good, as, as, as far as I'm, I'm, I'm concerned there. Now, as I say, I tried a few beers, and there were six that stood out, of, of, of which five of those got a rating of four on on that's so not bad, that's not a bad hit right no so i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot through those first of all the one that i didn't score uh, well i didn't certainly didn't score for was i tried this year's version of fuller's vintage ale which was the first time i've ever tried it on cask oh have you never tried it on cask before no but it was gravity poor and i just thought it, it just felt a bit thin so I'm, I'm really gonna i enjoyed it but i'm gonna reserve judgment on that until the bottles come out later okay because when the they year. do
1: it at gbbf would they usually have a slot when they release it it's still drawn through a hand pump. Yeah,
0: I would have rather it been drawn through yeah. the hand pump. The, the other ones, um, so Jekyll and Hyde from Wylam, which was a double stout, incredible, dark roasted beast, um, really enjoyed that. Five Points had a beer called Swing in the Axe, which was a bretted coffee barley wine. Bretted coffee barley wine. A, a mere 11.5%. That's all. Yeah, it's perfectly drinkable though. Yeah. No, none, no, the bread didn't really come through in it, but everything else just married so well. Um, Stan on the, on, the, on the dark side of things, Wiper and True had a summer stout, which was only 4%, Ooh. which was more black IPA than it was stout, which was absolutely perfect. Um, Thornbridge had an ice cream porter um, called Salted Caramel Lucaria. Oh, I've which of, had the
1: strawberry Lucaria
0: before. Yeah, this was on cask. And it was incredible. The salted caramel was so dominant in the glass that after I finished it, I had to actually go and scrub my glass at the water station because I couldn't get rid of the smell of salted caramel. That's how, that's how strong it, it was. Um, and then later on, I then proceeded to... Uh, Buxton were serving their original ice cream beers and they had a strawberry one, which they served with a soft serve, which I was really enjoying. And then all of a sudden I had this moment of that sort of caramel beer would work really well in this. So I went and spoke to Thornbridge and they put me a little bit in and it worked perfectly. I proceeded to tell everyone and then apparently it, came a bit, it became a bit of a thing and, and everyone was doing it to the point where they ran out of the sort of caramel beer as, as, as a result. Dear idea. That was enjoyable. But the real standout for me was a beer from Wild Beer, which was called Et 2 which was a brute IPA. Now this is the kind of new yeah this is news to me IPA that's on the scene. Now a, a little bit of reading on it is that, that the brute IPAs are much drier. They've got a much drier finish to them, more reminiscent of champagne, and and, and the, which is where the brute comes in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was stunning. It was seven and a half percent, but it was so drinkable. It had the dryness. And it had, it had that kind of juicy edge that you get from the New England IPAs, the New England style. So it's dry
1: rather than bitter.
0: Yeah, but it didn't have the sugary finish that I don't like about the New England style. Right. The dryness gave it more of a bitter edge. And it just worked perfectly. I, I mean, I haven't tried one, so for, I'm, I'm for looking
1: me. forward to trying a few brute IPAs now.
0: I think I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for them when they start hitting small pack. Yeah, because part of what I wanted to do was obviously I was I was there on on the ticket and I was like well I'm going to try beers that I wouldn't normally necessarily want to spend money on and take a risk so I will try some of the stuff that's maybe a little bit different for for me and that that was I, I went in there looking to try a brew IPA because I've heard people talking about them and I was happy that I did because it, I came out and I was so happy. Cool. So yeah, so so that's that's just about that's about it for me. I mean. Saturday pretty much finished me off to be honest oh, I was with
1: going it. to say I mean I, I did actually I popped into you know we said on the last show about very sadly about Ales by Males oh,
2: yeah, closing yeah.
1: down um, well the front of house the craft beer shop um, had basically a bit of a closing down party sell all the beers we can't return we want to sell um, and anything you buy to take away was 25% off I couldn't just go in there and just buy the stuff to take away at 25% off I, had, I have to be honest with you Um, And I had a couple of hours spare Thursday night when they were still doing the closing down a week or so ago. And I had a few beers in there with them and spoke to a couple of the guys, a couple of the regular customers and the guys behind the bar and stuff. Had a really nice time there actually, so still very sad to see it go. Um, But yeah, there was a standout beer for me that night. I I finally got around to having the uh, Baltic Porter, the Five Points Brewing Company, Along with, um, they did this with uh, Yellow Belly from Ireland. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, now I, I gave, it, I rated it very high. And I gave it a four point two five, which oh, that's praise indeed from you. I bought a can, so that uh, Michelle could try it. She went in there with
0: a five. Okay, and I, I think you've you got a can of it for me, haven't you? Which yes, I'm, I'm yet to try. Yes,
1: um, and like I said I thought it, it was an absolutely banging porter. What I tell you, what was so good it for me is that as much as I like everything that people are doing differently especially reporters about the different flavors and the sweet flavors and you did your blending to get another like a three different flavor ice cream almost sometimes i just want a porter mm. and i felt that this sort of just ticked all those boxes and was much more straight down the line but still absolutely fantastic so if anyone sees it don't pass up the chance to. i'm looking
0: it. forward to trying that now so we've finished, um, <laughs> yeah, we finished that beer about two minutes ago. The, the, the to minutes. Uh, final thoughts on that?
1: It is superb. Um, I haven't got a bottle to wait, so I'm gonna have to wait for the when they do their next release.
0: There are still plenty of the first bottles. Oh, in that milk. case, I, yeah. do, I think
1: I do need to get hold of enough, another couple to go into the beer cupboard. Um, like I said, I just found it a superbly drinkable old, old English ale. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Um, if they if they if they could ever do this on cask <laughs> I think I think, that I, would be... I think
0: you're hoping a little bit yeah they, uh, I
1: think even a few prayers I might not get to that one but yeah. I, I just thought it was really good that they've obviously taken a lot of time to come up with something so far so good
0: and I, I love that it's it's uniquely English as well and mm. they've, they've obviously taken that advice of don't try and brew a Belgian Trappist beer stay true to your roots. Yeah,
1: and almost it's almost like someone said look They've nailed it already. Yeah. Don't bother. Don't bother.
0: Yeah. I I am looking forward, especially with that goblety glass that, that, that comes with it, to actually sit in with a glass of that in the winter. And and just as a real oh. sipper. and pretend you have a fire. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe start a fire in the garden. Or get one of
1: those screenshots on your big TV. Yeah. Just a fire and, and turn anything. the radiators up. Yeah, there you go. And
0: make it believe like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I am looking forward to trying that again. Um, Really good stuff. So we're moving on to the second beer on our Trappist adventure this evening. Um, and It's another
1: stone cold classic.
0: What have we got here? Orval.
1: Okay, so... And if I'm not the the Trappist brewer who do this one, and you'll go into a bit more detail anyway, this is the only beer they do, isn't it? It's the only beer that they do
0: that's commercially available. You can have something
1: else at the monastery can't you me? can at
0: the monastery they do a petite ouvel, which is a table version of, of the beer and that's only but that's only for the monks and they do also do uh, an allval vert which is a 4.5% abv without the brett so it's more akin to an old english ipa style of beer okay um, well I've poured this now it is very lively
1: and um, I'm sure anyone who's had all will recognise that as well and there's already that aroma is wafting yeah. over to me. It's
0: Belgian. Yeah, that's that's all I can say about it.
1: Uh, cheers. Now I suppose to, for me to add here, this is not an aged, Orval.
0: Okay, so we worked out it's about a year old. Yeah, it's me? only
1: about a year old. Because um, obviously, I, I I know that Orval is one of those ones that people definitely say about aging, and I know that I bought um, on the recommendation of a very good friend of ours, Tom. Um, when we were at a beer festival, he said he's got some 2004 ones. Buy one. I was going, why are you making me buy old beer? This was about three or four years ago. Why are you, more, why are you making me spend more on old beer rather than new beer? Um, he was right. <laughs> it tasted superb. And so I, it was a 2004. I bought it in 2014. I reckon I probably had it a couple of years later. So it was 12 years old. 12 years in the bottle, and it ta- it did taste really nice. Really? I have to me, it did age well.
0: Now it starts off when it's young. It's, it's quite fresh and hoppy, yes. isn't it? Because of the characteristics of it. It's, it's essentially akin mm. to a pale, well, it is, yeah. it's, it's, it's a pale. Well, if you look at actually, it in the glass, it's yeah. a
1: pale, it's got a bit of an orange hue, it's got a nice cre- creamy head on it, and that head hasn't died away at all. Um, for me, I'm getting sort of a little bit of orange on it.
0: On, on the flavour, I'm getting, yeah, sweetness, I'm getting yeah. maybe a little bit of honey sweetness on yeah. there. Certainly on the nose, there were there was maybe a little peppery hint as well on on the nose that I was picking up. Yeah, which is
1: probably where you are getting your... In inverted comments to Belgianese, yep. national characteristics. I'm, isn't I'm, it? T- I'm
0: trying to do my best not to just keep referring to everything from Belgium and uh, as, as belgian I'm, I'm trying to actually put some flavour notes, but to it that. is still
1: in a recognised term on untapped.
0: It is, and we're, we're still claiming that. Aren't oh, yeah, yeah, definitely,
1: definitely. So, Steve, you did a bit of work on Trappist beers and breweries and monasteries.
0: I did indeed. I've done. I've done quite the research. Yeah, I can. On, see, everyone, I notes. can see the notepad from here. <laughs> So, last couple of shows we've done Sciencey. Yeah. Now we're doing history. Yeah. They got away from you there, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, looked looked into to the whole Trappist thing because it it is quite interesting. Now, as as we mentioned earlier on, and it was mentioned in the interview with with Father Eric, there is a there, there's an International Trappist Association that was established in 1997, and it was established to set basically. Protect Trappist products so to protect authentic Trappist products. Now, to be an authentic Trappist product, I'm going to start struggling with those yeah. three words. Um, there's a certain criteria that, that has to be met now, and certainly with the beer, there are a number of things that it, boxes that it has to tick to be able to See if I know any of that so
1: has. To, so, if we're talking particularly about the beer, which is probably what most people are interested in from us has to be brewed in in on the grounds
0: within, within the walls of the Trappist yeah.
1: monastery, and also there has to be a someone from the order is in charge of the brewing well, or doing the brewing
0: either either by the monks or they can employ a brewer, but they have to be supervised by the monks yes yeah. so it, it, yes' yeah, the on site yes yeah they can 't just leave them to it um, it must also so the brewery must also be of a secondary importance. To the, to, to the monastery.
1: Okay, so it's not interfering with the other works that they're doing.
0: Yeah, and it must uh, be proper to a monastic way of life as, as well, um, and it's, it has to be not, not for profit as well, so it's to cover living expenses, it's to cover the cost of producing the beer, it's not to make profit, and any profit they do make has to be reinvested into even the monastery or, or, or the other products and that, that they produce. Now, they're also, Trappist breweries are constantly moderated as well to ensure that the quality in the beer remains at the highest standard as, as well, so they're not just allowed to get on and do it, they are constantly moderated to make sure that their beers are still standing the test of time, so to speak. Okay, that's, that's good. I like that. So, there, and there is a, a distinction between Trappist beers and Abbey beers yes. as, as well. Now. Abbey beers are more commercially-led than than Trappist beers are, Um, so they can be produced by non-Trappist breweries, they can have uh, an arrangement with commercial breweries to actually brew their recipe Mm -hmm. and and, and beer, Um, they can be named after defunct or fictitious abbeys as well, whereas all of the other ones are named after the places which they are produced um and they can they can wear vaguely monastic monastic branding as as well so, so they they can hint they can hint to be in yeah and i think uh we've
1: decided to throw in an abbey beer later on haven't we we
0: are but there's a reason for that there is a very good and, reason and i'm sure most people are probably knowing where we're going yeah. with this now. now now so currently there are 12 recognized trappist breweries in the world um mount saint bernard being The 12th Mm -hmm. in in, in the UK. The others, to give you a quick rundown, are, and people are going to love the pronunciation. Here we go. So, here we go. So, you've got Brasserie de Rochefort, uh, which is in Belgium, which was established in 1595. You've got uh, Brouwerge, the Trappist von Vesmael, Belgium again, 1836. Brouwerge, Vesperlerton, or St. Sixtus, depending on on, on what you want to refer to. The Abbey as, again, in Belgium, 1838. Berez de Chemay, Belgium, 1863, Brasserie de Orval, Belgium, established in 1931, but brewing history goes back much longer on the site, yep. which we'll come on to when we do the history of Orval. Uh, Broward de Saint Benedictus de cruz which who produce Atel. Okay, yeah. yep. Uh, again in Belgium, established in 1998. Brouwers the Konig Chauvin, who produced La Trappe from the Netherlands in 1884. Stift Engenzel from Austria, 2012. St. Joseph's Abbey in Massachusetts, USA, 2013. Brauers, Ab Maria Tuschvalut, which is Zandert, Netherlands, 2013. And Tre Italy, 2014.
1: Okay, so the roots were very firmly in Belgium
0: then. Yeah, and there is one other, um, which is a German Trappist brewery, uh, M- M- Mariawald, uh, but they haven't produced beer since
1: 1953. Oh, bit of a hiatus then.
0: Yes, so that's that. That's basically they're, so they're the th- only twelve breweries in the world that are allowed to produce beer that will carry the label of an authentic Trappist product.
1: But only 11 of them are currently
0: brewing. No, 12 are currently brewing. The, the, Germans, the German The is number 13. Right, okay.
1: I mean, that's quite a small field, isn't it?
0: It is. And, and, and like you say, considering that, uh, well, over half of those are from Belgium, it, it means they've, they've got that market cornered. Yeah, but I mean, that, that for me, that's... Those...
1: those it feels like those uh, monasteries have definitely influenced the Belgian beer scene, though. I,
0: I think so. And I, I, and we will come on to that because I think um, when we get on to the Vesmao in particular, I think they are responsible for the name Dool and tri- Triple. Tri- yeah. It's, it's, they were the first brewery to actually use those terms yeah. in relation to their beers. Because
1: it's uh, based on their strength, wasn't
0: it? Yeah. So they, so they have essentially, they, they could be given the creation of a whole style.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um,
1: that's fascinating. I mean, that's fascinating, isn't it? Because, I mean, I've always associated the Trappist brewery movement solely with Belgium.
0: Same here. And and when you start hearing that they've got one here and one there, yeah. and there's, there's one in the States, yeah. and now there's one in the UK, obviously I, I would have thought that you've probably got Trappist movements because again it was mentioned in the interview. He said, "No, we're not the only one in the UK. We're the only one in England, yeah. but there is one in Scotland. There's one in Wales, and there's one in Northern yeah. Ireland. So there's
1: four in the UK in total, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and there's nothing. You know, in theory, they could all be be producing something. Just so happens that Mount St Bernard decided to go down the beer route.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm pretty happy they did, to be honest. I, I'm
0: very happy they um, did. I mean, it's great to be able to get a beer of that calibre now now available." Here. Locally. Yeah? yeah. Um so what you what do you think about the Orval? Have you had Orval before? I have had Orval before. I, I don't think I've ever had it at that super fresh stage where it's like really, really hoppy. Yeah. Um this for me though, uh, at just a year old, actually hasn't gone too far Belgian no. yet, yeah, yeah. It's still got some of those hoppy characters. Yeah, I mean this it's comes very in a, light hoppy characters.
1: I've been having this for years. This you know, this even predates untapped. Um six point two percent. I think it's very light. Especially being so young,
0: I would have thought it was much lower than that. Yeah. I didn't realise it was it was quite that far up. Right? Well, that's, well, that's
1: what's so dangerous about building beers, isn't it? So, although I've been saying I go there for, like, plenty of times with my brothers and stuff, and we'd sit down supping these, and you probably drink at a slightly different place, pace over there. You don't have pints; they've always had, you know, the glassware mm. as well. Um, I could easily sip a few of these, especially again this hot weather.
0: Oh, this is almost perfect. Tonight. this would be great. Yeah. This
1: is nicely first quenching yeah. this beer, as apart from anything else, because this has just got so much carbonation in it still as well. That's what I'm
0: loving about it. Yeah, isn't? it's it's really t- we haven't we haven't
1: let this warm.
0: No, this came straight out of the fridge. Yeah,
1: and it's perfect. Yeah, about six point two percent.
0: It's interesting what you said there about the glassware as well, because so much of the the, the Belgian beer scene is the theatrics of each yeah. beer having its own glass. Of as course, well. it is, and, and the all veil glass is a thing to behold, isn't it? It's because it's not. It's not completely round, is it it's It's got straight edges. yes yeah.
1: um, I mean, we'll get onto glasses a bit more further down, further down the show anyway, but yeah um, they've, they've always done that and for for me, that was the first time that that again that was before my craft beer awakening was that ah, oh, you can pour beer into more than one type of glass, <laughs> as far as I was concerned before, there was only one, one, one glass and one serving pint yeah. And it was one type of pint glass because I came into the beer scene post most pubs having jugs, so it was just the is it the conical, the one which has the little bit which sticks out a little bit towards the top.
0: Uh, oh, it's nonic, nonic,
1: thank you. And it was that that was basically yeah. the glass. I my drinking started off with those kind of glasses uh, for fairly much nearly enough anything else I got. So to see all these other different glassware and then we're always bringing out glasses which matched the beers
0: was excellent. But I love again. Going back to the Tint Meadow, they've, they've, done the ta- same. they've taken that extra step of producing its own glass, which is, this. It is. A, I know we've said it a couple of times, it is this beautiful goblet of, of, of a glass that hints at being Belgium, but is also a little bit typically English as well.
1: Yeah, for me, it does remind me of um, the sort of um, chalice that you might have um, communion out of at church. Oh, okay. For some of the some of the ones I've been to, especially some of the ones that use uh, the old fashioned wooden goblets, yeah. for it as well. I think it's a, a, a beautiful but stunningly simple.
0: Yes, that, and that's that's what I love about it because they
1: put the all they've got is the little signature, you know, the, the the window on the side, and the name is embossed on the on the base.
0: Yeah,
1: stunningly simple, really well done.
0: Very
1: well done. I'm loving the all
0: I, I am. So why we finish our all um do you want, do you want some all our history and facts as well blimey i don't know if i can cope with all of this i've done so much research you've, for this you've enjoyed right. this one haven't you yeah. I, I really have go, yeah. go for it okay so obviously uh started brewing in 1931 um they have always employed lay members from from the outset to, to come in and brew the beer so not actually brewed by the monks brewed by people that are contracted by the monks to actually But obviously brew. as we've
1: already discovered there's clear oversight
0: yes um Undergoes three stages of fermentation, this beer does. So uh, the first stage is uh, standard fermentation with our yeast. Um, the second stage, uh, in more yeasts are introduced, including Brett. And then the third stage is a bottling um, more of the original yeast goes back in um, and extra brewing sugar to allow secondary fermentation. In the, in the bottle and to continue allow those flavours to, to continue to evolve over time. They produce 70,000 hectolitres of beer per year. I don't know what that equals.
1: Neither do I. So every time someone quotes me, that they need to quote me in bottles or pints. I,
0: I'd, I'd rather just have it in, how many pints is that? I'm sure someone will, will let us know how many pints 70,000 hectolitres yeah. is. It's more than more than we could probably drink in a sitting, I reckon. Yeah,
1: but it's like when someone says uh, they have so many acres. Yeah. yeah, I don't mean anything to me either. <laughs> And what's an acre? Who uses acres? It's a bit of land.
0: Yeah. Isn't it? It's it's a big square.
1: I can just about cope with a square metre. After that, you've lost
0: me. (laughs) Um, Now, the name goes back to the 11th century, uh, as does the very famous uh, fish bottle, uh, fish symbol on, on, on the bottle. Um, which goes back to a story of um, an 11th century legend for Countess Matilda of Tuscany was visiting the, the, the valley. How did
1: did she lose the ring?
0: She lost her wedding ring in, in the lake and apparently this fish jumped out with it in its mouth and, and presented it back to her. And she uh, was apparently quoted as saying, truly this place is Val Or," which apparently translates as the Golden Valley. Oh, so now translates into All Val.
1: And on the front, they have got again a very simple, elegant bottle, just a label around the bottleneck All Val with the fish with the ring behind it.
0: Yep.
1: Nice little story. Nice little story, regardless of whether it's true. Doesn't matter. Good no, story.
0: It's 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 the story, you know. Like like I say, it gives it that little bit of background. It gives yeah. it, you, you know,
1: gives it the provenance as well, doesn't yes. it? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: You feel you you feel like there's something behind this.
0: Well, the brewery might have only been there since 1931, but it, it shows you that the the abbey's been there since the 11th century. Yeah, but
1: and and most um, abbeys have had a lot, and will have had some sort of brewery history because a Water wasn't as healthy as it is now. as was good No, they used,
0: they used to brew beer for the community, yeah. which they served, yeah.
1: And also, a lot of these monasteries were part of people going on, actual going to monasteries that will have walked a long way. So going back to the whole liquid bread thing, this was their substance. Yeah. And especially if you were fasting as well. I think you'd be allowed, I think you were allowed the beer, if I remember correctly. So as part of where you were fasting from the food, this was basically the equivalent of giving people sugared water.
0: Which was safe because it had been boiled. Exactly. Yeah.
1: They, this was probably the, the the healthiest way to be fed.
0: Absolutely. Um, so, while we finish off our old vow, let's um, let's just dive through yeah, this week's news. It. Yeah. Um, not not a huge news week, but there are a few things that I just want to bring up. So, um, a fairly quiet announcement was made that the Rainbow Project is coming to an end. Yeah, yeah. So quiet that you might have actually missed it.
1: Well, I almost did. Because I read, I read the bit about the Rainbow Project and what was coming up. And it wasn't until we had our little Essex Bottle Share um, group chat. And someone said, oh, it's the, it's the last one. Is anyone else going? I was going, oh, I missed that bit.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because every other year there's always been such a fanfare around the Rainbow Project and what's going yeah. on. But then for it to end very, very quietly without there being any fanfare about it coming to an end. It's, it's quite strange. Yeah, I
1: mean, I would have made more of it if it, quite if it really, me.
0: Quite sad,
1: it's been going since 2013. So yeah. I mean, I, it, I'll be honest, it's it's one that's fairly much always passed me by. I don't, know whether, yeah, it's, so I don't it, know whether it's just because of the time of year when there's all the other things going on or whether it's because summer holidays and I'm not always around. But yeah, it's never really... It's not one that's lit up my imagination, but I know a lot of people have a lot of love for it and there will be people who've been having them since the start
0: and and let's let's never forget that were it not for the rainbow Project we would never have had Jell-O-Belly.
1: in which case then just that on its own is worthy of that project having yeah, gone on
0: yeah um why do you think it's finishing?
1: The only thing I can think of is that collaborations in 2013 weren't really so much of a theme because they, they they always themed it didn't they it was a theme
0: yeah there was always it was either with uh, was either the style or there was colours from, from, from a certain country yeah. or that sort of thing um,
1: yeah but I think collaborations over the last couple of years have just proliferated so much that perhaps it just doesn't have the same feel to it perhaps it's just time as well I mean a siren are the driving force behind it aren't they
0: they always have been yeah
1: um and they're getting bigger, pulling all these breweries together. The logistics behind it—it's probably be hard work.
0: Well, if if you look back, what just over maybe the last nine months, we've had Fullers and Friends, yeah, which was available everywhere. Once it eventually found its way into Waitrose. Well, I Waitrose. think
1: you can still get it online at Waitrose.
0: You, you can still get it in store at Waitrose for a tenner a box. Oh, right, okay. Um, you've had uh, the series that you had recently, the Northern Powerhouse yeah. series as, as well. Um, and now we've got, um, linking into the next news story, segue, um, is the uh, North Sea Bridges Project. 2018 which is a, a collaboration between a series of Scottish breweries and their Scandinavian counterparts so this is a series um, of uh, beers produced by from Scotland Black Isle, Fallen, Farlan, however we're pronouncing that one mm-hmm. now. Fierce Beer, Fine, Pilot and Six Degrees North have all been paired with uh, Amundsen, Bib- Bibliotech, Dry and Bitter, Duggers, Rocket and Tool. Um, so these beers are due to be released in... There's no. So, so there's no brief to these beers. It's just the brewers get together and they just say, this is what we're going to brew. This, this is what we feel like brewing. Uh, no theme to it or anything like that. Um, so the line-up for, for this year includes a black sour, a dry hop sour, a double IPA, a dry parallel, and a saffron and spruce double IPA as well so they're due to be released on uh, the 23rd of August at a series of launch parties across the UK and they'll also be available in box sets now this is interesting as well the box sets will be available from Monday the 27th of August so yeah. that's, that's quite interesting and I, I wonder if it's things like that and, and obviously Ed
1: Harbour Brewing did the 2-6 last year they did the 3-9 this year and they've
0: said they're going to take that bigger yeah there are collaborations all over the place all the time. Well, collaborations as well. happening,
1: which I don't even notice sometimes. And you suddenly you pick up the can and you realise there's like another brewery name on there. Just these quiet collaborations always going on.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, even uppers and downers, right? That's not brewery collaborations, but it's collaboration between brewers and coffee roasters.
0: Yeah, there's so much now. Yeah, and, and
1: not all collaborations are just straightforward brewer plus brewer. Um, so, yeah, you know, I've, like you said, Yellow Belly came from it. I've got no doubt there's a lot of love for the project, especially from people who've been in on it on the start. As it could be just a combination of reasons. Siren didn't really go into any detail. They just said, oh, that's it. It's just the last year.
0: Yeah. But, but a lot of things run their course. I'm sure we'll still see collaborations. You know, they're not going to stop, are they?
1: Siren aren't going to stop collaborating with people. And the other breweries involved have probably collaborated with umpteen other people as well. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyone who's going, let us know, let us know how it goes.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what beers are like, because yeah. well, they're, all, they're all barrel aged beers this year, so yeah. they were all produced last year, when last year's beers were produced, and they've been sitting in barrels for a year.
1: Barrel aging sounds like a good way to go.
0: It's It sounds like the right way to go, doesn't sounds it? Sounds like yeah.
1: the, the, yep, here's your barrel aged beers, goodbye and good night. Yeah. Yeah, sounds right to me.
0: Um, Cloudwater have unveiled a new taproom in Manchester. Did you so. know they were doing a new taproom? Because I didn't. I. I thought the barrel store
1: was going to be their permanent tap room. No,
0: I, I don't. I think I did know, but I think I'd maybe put it to the back of my mind. So they've basically closed down the tap room as as their as as, as closed down the barrel store as their tap room. It
1: is now just a barrel store. No,
0: yeah, uh, and they've moved the tap room uh, basically to a unit next door to the brewery now. So back on the industrial estate. Yeah. Um, so, it includes a bar with 20 draft taps to showcase all of their beers, uh, a shop offering cans and bottles to take away, um, direct from the cold store. Um, so, so, they made a point of mentioning the cold store, didn't they? Yes, yes. Yeah, the so cold store got a
1: big mention in that press release.
0: Yeah, so uh, I think that's great. And from the pictures I've seen as, as well, it looks like a fantastic space. It looks like a really open, really airy sort of space that they've created there but um, the initial opening hours will be 3 till 10 uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Sunday and 10 till 10 on Saturday um, and then finally we've got um, a charity craft beer festival uh, returns to London this, sum- this September so this is craft beer cares um, and it will be held on the 29th and 30th of September at the Hackney-based London Fields Brewery, uh, featuring over 20 pro- uh, breweries from around the world, including Beavertown, Town, Cloudwater and Modern Times. Proceeds from the event will be donated to London-based anti-violence charity Art Against Knives. So tickets are 12 50 per person per session, and for that you get a branded glass and eight beer tokens. That doesn't sound too bad, that does it? It doesn't sound bad, too bad at all, and it's, uh, I
1: mean, you know... Unless you've, had, again, unless your head has been buried in the sand, knife crime in London has been a very hot topic over the last yes, six to nine so. months. So anything they can do to improve that situation, either for the victims or hopefully the education and go down the preventative route, has got to be a good thing.
0: Absolutely. I, I think it's great that the money's going to go back into it. So we'll put a link to the, the, the tickets in the show notes. If that's your sort of thing, you want to go along, have a good day drinking beer, and probably have a pretty good time meeting people as well. Get yourself a ticket and let us know how it goes if you do go along. So
1: we've finished the all valve. The all valve was finished because you were doing all that talking.
0: You 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 smashed your way. Yeah, through I the smashed All-Val. my way
1: through it. I've I've always liked loved all valve, and having it that cold on what is another hot sticky day again was gorgeous. Just worked really, really, really well. Yeah,
0: I I and I think it worked as the perfect counterpoint to the tint meadow that that we had up front, being that kind of strong. Very English style owl and maybe quite a nice bridge to the next beer that we're about to be drinking, which takes us um, into the world of the duble. Is it duble? Yeah. Is it double? I always say duble, just because it's got just
1: because of the spelling. It just feels like I shouldn't say double. Okay. Um, let's, go with doubl, let's go with duble Let's go with duble. I'm
0: sure somebody will tell us we're wrong. Oh. If there's probably the, there's probably a third or fourth option. We are wrong. And as you're pouring that. Let's get in to this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. Which was glassware. How important is it to get it right? Now, you didn't think this poll was going to get any engagement, did you? I said traction
1: might be quite low.
0: Okay, so we got 564 votes. I know, fuck all. Which is is up there as one of our most popular ever polls that that we've done. Um, We gave people two options. We gave uh, Vital Impact on Flavour, which 62% of people voted for, and then 38% of people voted for It's Just the Glass. Now, the first comment that we had back is going to lead us on to our next tasting as as well. So from Daisy, at Daisy underscore Tanel, have you ever tried the same beer in a variety of glasses? I did this as part of a Beer Cider HQ course and it was an eye-opener. So what are we doing right now? Well, we've decided that we didn't have enough strong beers to drink. So we
1: have basically used Daisy's very good suggestion for our own purposes.
0: Okay, okay so it's Daisy's fault what's about to happen.
1: Yeah, so any, anything which goes wrong, anything we say wrong from here on it, it's Daisy's fault. Um, so we thought, okay, that's actually, I haven't done
0: it. No, I haven't done it either.
1: I've done vertical tastings with different beers in the same glass. I've done variants, but I've never done the same beer side by side in two very different glasses. So we had to keep the Trappist theme. Yeah. Which is why we've got the Westmile uh, double. So we've got three bottles of this to split between four glasses. So two fairly bulbous-like glasses. So picture the Delirium Treeman's glass. And then we have an American pint glass
0: just a straight edged glass yeah and and we're, we're doing this to see first if there's any major aroma differences and clearly presentation wise you can already see which one's looking best oh yeah um by all accounts it won't impact on the flavor um, but it's all going to be around the other senses so it's going to be around the aroma and it's going to be around what we're seeing visually as well.
1: And I have paid attention to the bottle as well. Um, you may wish to taste the yeast separately. So okay. I have saved the, free, the yeast, what I think is roughly where the yeast so we'll is. So do, do that as well then. We're going to have basic yeast shots.
0: Excellent. That's um, going to set us up nicely for yeah. uh, the remainder of the evening. And for Tuesday morning being yeah. regular. So while you're finishing pouring that, let's have some facts about Vesma. More research. So they've been brewing since 1836. Um, they were founded initially in 1794, but they were first recognised as being Trappist in 1836. Uh, initially, the beer was brewed uh, only for the monks in, in the monastery. Very selfish. Um, and it's been commercially available since 1860 as, as well. So this is possibly the maybe the uh, one of the oldest beers. that's been available that we're drinking this evening. Um, Now, as we said earlier, Vesmao have been attributed with introducing the terms double and triple to beer, um, which basically, I think you mentioned, used to signify the strength of the beer. And I think it was originally simply by the number of Xs that had been chalked on a a car. Yeah, because we actually
1: had over here, we used the Xs, didn't we? Yeah, so the X's was our one over here we couldn't even go further than that we just had an X didn't we we stayed with that
0: Um, the recipe has remained unchanged since 1956 Um, and interestingly linking into your point the yeast is highly sought after and it's even used by the monks who produced Vestvalerton as, as well, so which will be coming on to. So this was their, this was, oh, this was their starting yeast. Yeah, this was their starting yeast, and they produce um 120,000 hectolitres of, of of year, which of is
1: 50,000 more than the last one. So it's which we've still got no still idea, still no, no idea there. how many okay. that
0: is. No, so you're you're still pouring away there.
1: I'm just trying to, because I want to make sure that the presentation is right as well. Okay. Make and you sure we've got even pause.
0: Make sure we've got a nice yeasty shot to finish with. Yeah. So well. we've left those at the moment. Let's go visual first. Uh, I, I think without a doubt, the more bulbous tulip, goblety type glass presents the mirror in a much better way. And oddly it looks darker. Yes. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's it's more it leans more towards a, a ready black than the, the the sort of more brown. That is yeah, in, this is in more the, of a ready brown glass. in the straight glass, yeah.
1: and i say it's getting more towards the darker side in the bulbous glass. Yeah, the bulbous glass looks the right kind of glass for the beer presentation it does, wise. Yeah, uh, what, is the, what is the do what is the trap? What is the, what is the Westmore glass? Westmile glass is a tall one with a stem, isn't it?
0: I imagine, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's,
1: yeah. I'm sure it's, quite, I'm sure it's for the um, So, if I have a quick look while we're talking about this. Is there okay. any any more facts on this, or are we we no, done with facts? No, no. I
0: think we're we done with facts. We're and you can have a few more Trappist facts if you like. Go on then. I've not quite finished there. So, some history of the Trappist order um, originated in the Cistercian monastery of La Trappe in France. Uh, by 1664, the abbot of La Trappe. Felt that the Cistercians were becoming too liberal and he introduced strict new rules in the Abbey which over time have have been revived. Um, However, a few fundamental... uh Tenants remain that monasteries should be self-supporting and self-maintaining. I'd love to
1: know what they they were doing to become classed as liberal. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Maybe drinking too much of the beer they were producing. Um, And in terms of particularly, again, for what we do here about the beer, monastery brew houses have existed since the Middle Ages and were used to feed the community to help with self-sufficiency and to obviously give them safe drinking water. Yeah. So, again, similar sort of principles as the general principles, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so, Sorry.
1: should we go for a smell of both of these? Yeah, let's, let, let's do it. So, go with the bulbous glands yeah. first of all.
0: Getting maybe slightly coppery notes on there.
1: Yeah. Almost a quite sharp coppery notes, actually.
0: Yeah, maybe the slightest hint of caramel.
1: Yeah, there's quite a sweet. Not as sweet as coming off the the tint Meadow though. No, no. Um,
0: straight glass? getting the coppery aroma maybe not so much the sweetness it's it's there but all of the aromas are there but it's far less pronounced yeah I mean it's it's,
1: a wider it's a wider opening at the top isn't it of the glass the straight glass has a wider opening than the the other one Um,
0: I think a lot of the aroma is being held in by the shape of the glass yeah
1: right so which one do you want to taste first then
0: Apparently the taste doesn't matter. So okay, well let's, well, let's go. Let's go for the bulbous. Go with the one that's that's winning on everything else yeah. so
1: far. Cheers. Oh, that's got that rich flavour again, isn't it? Oh, it's um,
0: dark chocolate, dark chocolate caramel,
1: multi flavour. But it's it's a very rich multi flavour, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's, um, it's really not, rich. It's not it's not tweaky multi flavour or anything no. like that. It's, it's rich. It's moey. Multi- Something I've really never noticed about this beer before, it's quite dry at the end actually.
0: It's very dry. There's, there's a hint of that copperiness on the finish for me yeah. as well, which, which is adding to the dryness. Mm. And just that little bit of dark, dark stone fruits almost yeah. coming through. Let's um, see if the other one tastes any different. Cheers.
1: For my palate, I'm not getting much of a discernible difference oh, i there. I think
0: taste wise they are identical, yeah, I think everything else is in how it looked and and, and the smell of it, yeah,
1: um I think aesthetically, the was glass wins hands down for this type of beer, yeah for me, um the aroma was more pronounced, but on the on the actual taste which let's face, it's probably the most important bit um I't really taste much of a difference
0: no no i couldn 't, but I, I, I think I think if we go back to obviously the bulbous glass, which is giving us a lot more aroma as we 're drinking it, what you are getting is as, as, as you 're tasting it, you are getting those waves of aroma yeah. coming through as well whereas... so you 're using more than one sense at the same time yeah, aren't you? which is which is maybe just heightening the experience what... just a little bit
1: interesting, so going back to what I was saying about my early trips to Belgium and stuff, I actually wrote a letter to um I suppose it was beer still, so the quarterly publication from Canberra, wondering why um, we were so behind places like Belgium with regards to glassware. Um, Because I thought that was the the whole theatre of serving the beer and the amount of different types of people I saw in Belgium, sitting outside bars, in squares, drinking the beers. It was a really nice mixed crowd. And also, I'm convinced that I drink slower out of this kind of bulbous glass than I do out a straight glass. The straight glass, which I can put my whole hand around, immediately I'm pint, pint pace, And I have a fairly set pace for pints, almost regardless of what's in the glass. Whereas I think for these, they lend itself to sip and savor. The uh, bulbous, for the people who can't
0: see. <laughs> I think that lends itself more towards how you would drink maybe an impy stout or a barley wine as well, because... Certainly if I was drinking one of those at home, I wouldn't think... You wouldn't put it in a straight glass, would you? I wouldn't put it in a a straight glass. No, I would go for that big oversized brandy glass that I talk about that I serve my MP Stouts in because I want that little bit of home theatre. Yeah. And and also because I know it accentuates the aroma because it holds the aroma in the glass and you can swirl it around. If you are heating it
1: through the base of your hand as well, That that will add to it. But, you know, I I would definitely drink the straight glass quicker. So this is an American pint glass So anyone who's got any doubt about that. Basically, it takes, I think it's uh, just probably about 360 millilitres worth of liquid. It's a good size for a 330 or a 355, if it's an American can, of like a pale ale. These are lovely glasses for that kind of beer. The sort of ones where you do want to quite, you're not doing a sup and a sip. You're having a bit of a gulp. It's a beautiful glass for that, whereas the bulbous glass and the other sort of glasses and chalices and stemmed glasses, like I said, especially you see in Belgium, I think really do lend themselves, and it just makes the beer look something different, something better, something bigger. And it took it took the UK a long time to ca- cotton onto that. It did. And what was the beer that changed it all? I don't know. Punk IPO? Stella. What were their chat? Their one with, of their... With,
0: their, with their chalice glass. Yeah. Or was it the first one? I, d- I don't know if it was the first one, but it's certainly the first one that I remember it being a thing that they, that they made. Oh, they made it a thing. That as well, they made they? it a thing and there was theatrics around it. Um, and I, I think, you, you know, that was way, way before we had craft beer bars, selling beers in tulip glasses. Yeah. So I, I, you know,
1: again, congratulations to anyone who brought him over. I'm going back to the whole thing about Daisy. I mean, Obviously, a lot more difficult for us to do it, but I wonder if you were blindfolded so you couldn't see how the beer
0: looked. But you'd feel the glass. You'd feel the glass still, but... I don't think there's any way of of doing this blindfolded, unless you've got... You're not using your hands and somebody's (laughs) actually feeding you the glass as well. Using a paper straw. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: Taste-wise, didn't really get much, much difference, but I know which one I'd... Pour into usually.
0: Yeah, same here. So, so I think you and I are probably fairly agreed on that the glassware is important.
1: Yeah, I think for, the glassware
0: is. Is it more important for those bigger beers? Does does it no. matter when it comes to pale IPAs, lagers? Do, you, do, do yeah, you care how that's served? I
1: do because going back to original pint glasses, <laughs> I hate those small half pint versions of those glasses because they look. Awful.
0: Oh, the half nonic.
1: Yeah. It looks like a third, but it's not an attractive third. I I
0: swear they don't hold half a pint. No.
1: I I swear they hold less. They look awful. And also, you know, there's often when Michelle and I are out, she wants a half, but she hates those glasses as well. So I've got a pint glass and she's got this little stumpy thing, which just looks, it just doesn't look good. doesn't present the beer well. Um, And yeah, again, we've already to us we've proven it that the taste is fairly much the same but I think it looks awful I think a little bit of presentation goes a long way um, you know if you have a half of from the craftier range and say the Victoria Inn they serve that in a different glass and I think part of that is because they also know they're charging you a bit more so they know that they're going to present so they're it
0: they're making a bit of effort on present
1: they have half pint and pint glasses which sort of suit that range of beers more trad on the cask range, that's how they do it in there.
0: Or well, even spoons have now that. If if you order anything from Spoon's craft range, you get the the, the kind of like the glass that we're drinking Which out of here. sort
1: of came in when they brought over the six point beers. Didn't yeah. It? I say six point beers, I mean resin. On that glorious <laughs> day, yeah,
0: when, when, when they started serving resin in spoons. On that day. That day. That's when that glass were arrived. Right. And
1: everyone said hallelujah. Yeah. Um, but I think
0: I think that's interesting because from from Spoon's point of view. That was them very clearly distinguishing between this is a different beer, you're, different product, it's different product. That's yeah. what they were saying straight away. Yeah,
1: and I think it does matter. And I, I, I don't know why those little half pint glasses still exist. I'd rather have the, the half pint jug.
0: So it's what's worse: a, a half pint, a half pint nonic, or a half pint straight glass? Half pint nonic.
1: I'd take a half pint straight glass any time. Should we see what people
0: thought about glassware? Oh God, let's listen, listen to other people's opinions then. Yes, ra- rather than us just ploughing through it. So, Graham Meakin at Graham underscore Meekin says, "Once you've been to Belgium a few times, you appreciate it more." Love how each brewery takes pride in not only their beer but how it's presented, which I think is fairly you, much. You, what you've I've said. said that, haven't yeah. you? Um, James at Gammon Baron said, "If it didn't have any effect, we'd be necking it straight from the can or bottle. Taste plus aroma." Equals flavour.
1: Good point because we both said we got a bit more aroma on the the
0: bulbous glass. Got far more aroma um, to, to the point where I'm actually contemplating pouring, pouring it into pouring the, the rest of, of my straight oh, glass. Mate,
1: to be fair, we probably lost the aroma from the straight glass, so that would now just be sensory
0: perception. Wouldn't that's it? I, I think so. Yeah, I think that's that's long gone. Um, Mark Johnson at Mark and Johnson. Whilst technically not vital, it is a clear it is clearly a part of the experience. Otherwise, I'd just swig good beers from the bottle or stick them in the glass I drink my orange juice from. And it may be purely psychological, but I love my teku for impies and barley wines, and I don't care what others think.
1: Um, I've got a teku, and I tend to only use it for the Belgian beer, which is called Martin's IPA, because that's the, uh, the glass I've got is the Martin's IPA one.
0: Much like Mark, I will use it for barley wine because it looks like a wine glass. Okay, and and, and drink- often a barley wine does look and remind yeah, I'm you. That's why I'm drinking a barley wine from a wine glass. Oh, look at you! Look I at you, Mark. I know, I know. Glass, glassware buddies. <laughs> I was going to say glassware wankers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different podcast. Yeah. Um, Chicken Dipper at Salander Graham said somewhere between the two options. I'm a fan of glassware. I've got loads, and for me, it's part of the ritual of drinking good beer to choose an appropriate glass. I think there is a ritual. I mean. When me and Michelle are sharing beers at
1: home, we try to use the same, similar sort of glasses, if not identical glasses, depending how many pairs we have broken up over the over the years and through various moves, etc. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I think the fear. But going back to that fear, theater, the theater is nice, and the ritual is nice. And if you're at home and you can choose to do it, why wouldn't you?
0: Well, let's be honest. How long did we spend tonight choosing the the, the pairs of glasses? that we were going to do, we could use start, just for this part. We could have
1: show. started the recording about 50 minutes earlier. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I posted a picture just before we started recording that had, a, that had your side that we're recording on here just covered in glassware yeah. because we were like, well, what, what's going to work? I, I think,
1: think the, the ritual is nice and when you've got the choice of it, I mean, think it goes back to the glassware. If you were at some sort of function and they served you champagne just in a wine glass, you'd go, going, oh, hmm. why have you not put that in a flute? Yeah. And even white wine and red wine have slightly different glasses at times as well. Um, you know, if, if you lay it for a meal, uh, if you're going through like a silver service saying it will have different glasses, the white wine and the red wine. They said a brandy. You wouldn't expect that to come in a whiskey tumbler. You want that to come in a brandy glass. Well,
0: and, and I know you hate me mentioning it when it's the middle of the summer, but my when, when I choose my 12 beers of Christmas, I also... You, yeah, but you start to choose them well, in January. Part of that <laughs> is that <laughs> It's choosing the right glass to go with the drink every night. Part, that's part of the ritual. Much much like Graham was saying there, that's part of the ritual for me, is that I will be like, oh, right, okay, I know I've got a big impi stout coming up. So I'm like straight away I'm like, well that's that's my big brandy glass, that's going in there. But then I'll maybe have the cupboard open and I'll see another one. I think, ooh, maybe that'll work tonight. Maybe we'll be a bit cheeky and go for something else. But yeah, I think I think it's part of the whole experience, isn't it, choosing the glass more, yeah. Which is why all of us have cupboards and cupboards full of glasses. Way too many.
1: Like I said when I moved, I ended up ditching a whole load of um of glasses, but I've kept
0: the ones which I think look aesthetically pleasing on their own. So Dan at DC Craft Feed uh, agree with most that it doesn't make a big difference, but when beers look as great as they do most of the time, they deserve to be displayed and enjoyed in an ice glass too. I have a cupboard full of beer glasses, and I still buy more when they appear. I'm trying to stop
1: doing that, but failing a lot of the time.
0: It's, well, when the when the latest craft glass comes out, it's like, oh, I think I need that it's
1: craft glass envy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: we've got some out. So Pete at Hops and Hoops. When drinking at home, I'll use appropriate glassware for the beer I'm drinking. Uh, but when I'm out, I'm not as fast as long as the glass is clean. Don't want to see those bubbles clinging to the side of the glass. So I think everyone agrees with that one. Yeah. And also, not just that dishwasher hot. Again, Oh, with I that. think there's
0: nothing worse than that, is it? Getting a nice cold lager served in a, <laughs> know, in glass. a hot glass. It's like, brilliant, you've just, yeah. ki- you've just killed everything that I was looking
1: for. I like, th- this next one is brilliant. So this is from Peter Allen at Photo Digital Art. I once asked for a Carling to be served in a Becks Veer glass. I was refused by the manager who said it was passing off. I told her she was wrong, but she wouldn't budge. I wanted a Becks glass because I knew it would be room temperature. Carling glasses were all hot from the washer.
0: <laughs> now that's that's just, I mean, that's observation, isn't yeah, it? You've he, just he, seen all the glasses oh Yeah, That was out. very good, actually. And, and it's interesting because I mean that one did spin off. There were there was a discussion. There was a came conversations came out about that. legality, wasn't it? Yeah. Of, of and and I think that comes back to that passing off comment that maybe you're not allowed to serve one product in uh, a, another in a brand. vessel. Yeah, in a branded vessel. Yeah. It was from the Petersgate Tap at underscore at Petersgate underscore Tap. Actually, the wrong-branded glass is illegal. It's suggesting something you're not getting. Perhaps it should have said technically illegal. I think that's the cask mark stance rather than say HMRC. Uh, but possibly it's included in the seller management certification training. So you wouldn't get arrested a or
1: fined legally for doing it. So it's actively discouraged, is it?
0: it, it but then I've I've
1: had I've had if I go to a. a I don't know, a Fuller's pub. I know, I know it just says Fuller's, but they serve all their beers in Fuller's glasses. I don't yeah. serve, It's all in Fuller's glasses, but it's not a Fuller's beer.
0: you
1: If you go to a Green King pub, it'll have Green King branded glasses, um, with the exception of, say, when they serve their Peronis or, like you say, their Stella. But if all any of their real owls, regardless of whether it's Green King or not, they'll serve in a Green King glass in the ones I've been to. Um, for that kind of thing, no. When I'm in a pub... Um, it bothers me less apart from those couple of ones I've mentioned about the the, the cool glasses. But it was, it was an interesting discussion but spun off.
0: It was and that that was a whole spin-off discussion. Yeah, I read, on, I did on, read all of that on, on on that one. Which ended it essentially ended up becoming a discussion between two people which which is probably why we probably won't go any further into yeah. that, but it was interesting insight that came out of it um greg Bullman at greg uh, Bullman said it's important but not vital i don't buy in so that it must be branded by the brewery you are drinking but the shape is important some styles more than others such as imperial stouts i mean right. this is the same thing coming up, yeah. and up again isn't it um matthew curtis at total curtis said i picked vital but not because of any impact on flavor none or aroma minimal but because good presentation is everything and elevates the experience, which is vital when you're spending lots of money on a premium product. Now, that I found that really interesting. And that's
1: sort of what I was saying about you know, because with the beers and us not doing it very well over here and stuff. If you went to a, let's say you went and had a nice glass of red wine, you'd want it in a nice glass. You, you can spend a lot of money on a glass of red or a bottle of red wine when you're out. Why would you not want it in the right glassware? It is vital. I think it is vital. Presentation, you do it for everything else.
0: You should do it for beer as as, as well. Uh, Lordy 99 at Lordy Lordy 99. All blind taste in research clearly shows it has no bearing on taste whatsoever. But, and it's a big but, when not blind, the glass has a massive impact on perceived flavour and a nicer glass will improve the flavour of the contents. Which is fairly much where we sort of came out on our our very
1: scientific Uh, test. Yes. In Uh, in a
0: controlled environment. Which we could see from, from, from the outset. Um, Simon Clark at Simon Carbon. It has a debatable impact on flavour, but undoubtedly adds to the theatre of pouring and drinking a beer. If you're serious about beer, you should be serious about glassware. That's that's that again, and that just harks back to the everybody's got cupboards of glasses. Yeah. Um, and then we had the the
1: one of our standard comments. I wanted the third option here. <laughs> It can affect flavour and aroma perception. So for some beers, the right glass is important. But a lot of the pro- time, it probably doesn't make much difference. I still like a branded glass though. And that's from Sean O'Reilly, Uncruhlia. So we're a market million bevs. Craft is covered below. But when you buy a macro lager and get served in a bulk standard pint glass, you're lucky if the beer stays fizzy after the first two or three sips. That's a good point actually, because those branded glasses and the Stella one has those little... Keep, keep going God on this
0: one because I've, I've got a point to come into this. Okay,
1: and I think the the glasses for the resin have the same at the bottom. It carries yeah. on giving that appearance of the fizz all the way through. Um, yet when you chuck Moretti Peroni into their branded chalices, the difference is huge in taste and appearance.
0: Completely agree, and I'm going with you on what you were saying about they have that little etching at the bottom of the yeah. glass, don't they, which continually agitates the beer, yeah. there's always bubbles coming up. Now, last night, you and I and Michelle sat down, and we had a few beers, and we were drinking Budvar, um, and you and I were drinking from Tankard's, yep. and Michelle, I think she was drinking from the track straight, the, the glass. Track straight glass. Now, both of ours... Had a stream of bubbles running up the middle of them and a constant head, because our glasses had the etched bottom. Michelle's was flat, but it was it was visibly different between the the, the drinks that we had and the drink that Michelle had, even though we were drinking the same thing.
1: And a lager, I do want to stay fizzy when I, I do want to have a stay lager, and
0: I want to head all the way down to the bottom.
1: Yeah, okay, that is a very good point. Actually, then uh, the beer podcast at the beer podcast. Think it's important, especially to those new drinkers on the scene, many comment that they like the glassware shape and feel, much in the same vein when you get a really nice wine, glass to drink wine from, it suddenly feels more special.
0: Well, lots of similar comments here, yeah. and a lot of people le- leaning towards what we've been saying as well. Um, and then just to finish off with, we had Three Boys, Three Beers at Three Boys, Three Beers, um, who uh, a weekly podcast if... If you've not listened to him yet, it highly recommended to give him a listen. I could just um, stop,
1: I need to stop doing
0: weekly. It's, it's hard to keep up with a, a weekly um, release share. Yeah. Uh, I vote vital, but like everyone else, with a substantial caveat. It's not about an objectively right glass, but the subjectively right glass. Some of our customers at the bar can't imagine using anything less than a pewter jug. I can't imagine wanting to. Now, <laughs> You recently took your jug on an adventure, didn't you? Yeah, well, that's the bit I <laughs> didn't add because the Harwich Beer
1: Festival has always done... Um, bring It's bring your own tankard. It's either plastic glass or tankard. Plus, you get a free half pint if you bring a tankard with you as well. So my tankard gets... A bit like my, my DJ, my tankard gets one, a one-year visit to somewhere. So the tankard always goes to the Harwich Redoubt Festival. Um, and to be fair, because I'm... Looking forward to the festival. I like the festival. I actually do enjoy sitting outside in the sunshine drinking out of the tankard, but it won't get used again till July next year. Till next year.
0: Now I take—I've got a tankard which goes camping with me, and I drink every beer that I take camping out of my tankard, and just because for me it's a camping thing, and it's probably the safest thing that you can pack it's and take it to camping because yeah. it's not going to smash, it's not going to crack it's going to last uh, the, the weekend. At worst, it's going to have a dent. Yeah. But that that adds to the aesthetic. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, fairly convincing there, uh, I think, this week. Uh, I think on the whole, people are saying that wh- whether it makes any difference in flavour or aroma is debatable, but it certainly adds to the experience yeah. so, of, uh, of drinking a Although
1: bit. we only gave the vital, but people preferred... In their head, appropriate slash right glass was their, definitely their preference. Yeah. Was what we got from it.
0: We're getting to the end of our vesma. Um I've I've finished my um I've finished that bit gobbledy gobbledy one. Finish. Yeah. I um,
1: first thing to say is that just on the beer alone, I, I am a big fan of this beer. Although it says doable and you expect I you always I always expect it to be thicker than it is. Yeah. And it's not. It's very easy to drink. Yeah. Again what's, what's
0: the A B V on this?
1: Seven percent. Um, so I would say that this beer, again, I've always never had this down as a out and out Belgium influenced kind of beer. For me, this lends itself more again back to this the English style of ales, yeah. the old English ales. Um, that multi texture. Even the older versions for me don't really go down that sort of bretty bretty route for me.
0: I'm getting I'm getting no Belgian on now. Yeah. At all, there's, there's so on, nothing... a, on a
1: blind tasting, you wouldn't say straight away if you unless you drank Westmall regularly, you wouldn't suddenly say, "Yep, yeah, that's Westmall Trappist double
0: If someone gave me in in the straight glass, yeah, and I didn't know what it was, I'd probably go for English regional.
2: Yeah,
0: brewery have, have, have produced that. I, I I don't think I would go. That's a Trappist beer. I just think it's, it's again it's superbly drinkable. I've I've finished mine. I I really really enjoyed drinking it. There's that there is that there's a caramel, caramel earthiness to the finish of it, and, and and that just that works really well. I mean that was we tried to bring that up to room temperature a little bit and
1: and okay getting there towards the bottom of the second straight as, as it's warmed
0: yeah it's that got, sweetness really yeah, comes through doesn't it yeah very, much really, more yeah that sweetness much more okay so we now have the vestmal yeast shop yeah to,
1: so basically to we've to drained enjoy. the
0: bottles yeah so let's first up mine looks markably different to yours
1: yeah and I, i've got a slightly bigger pour but it's still the end of the bottle mine's very cloudy yours is a lot cloudier than mine i
0: think i've got more yeast in this than you have
1: yeah but that it's weird because the bottles are all the same same roughly the same age i'm pulling
0: a bit of a face you are pulling a face cheers apparently this yeast is very much sought after I don't think there was really much difference to what we were drinking.
1: No, I was going to say exactly the same thing. I think it's
0: just, yeah, yeah. It.
1: I wouldn't have if I, again if I had my eyes closed and they past me. I wouldn't have no discernible maybe difference.
0: We, maybe we had too much of the liquid and, and, and not enough of, enough of the yeast. Of just the yeast. Okay, so that's the uh, the Vesma, which was uh, a, a double. Uh, continuing our journey along the <laughs> Trappist. Uh, beer selections. We now have a pair of beers. We do have a that, pair that of beers. We're going to be doing side by side. We've decided to uh, jump over the triple option and go straight to a pair of quads. Well, why wouldn't you? <laughs> well, it, it is us after all. Now, the reason why we're doing a pair and we are going to be doing these side by side is because we are doing, firstly, what is often um, referred to as one of the greatest beers in the world. Which is the Vestvallerton Twelve? Yep. Which is from? I can't say the full name of the brewery. It's ridiculously long. It goes on forever, doesn't it? But you it's all got, want that name on the back of your football shop. do not It's show, got a sixtus in it, hasn't it? Yeah, somewhere. Um, so this is renowned worldwide. It's not available to necessarily buy commercially.
1: No, because don't you? Well, generally, I know you can see it in a few. I've seen it in a few places in Belgium. But generally, isn't it... You have to buy it from
0: the brewery. And they tell you... When it's available. And you turn up in your slot or you yeah, don't get it. Yeah. So if it does appear um, online or in bottle shops, it's because those suppliers have gone and collected the beers. Now, this is a Trappist beer. Uh, it, it meets all of the requirements. But this is going up against St. Bernardus at Twelve.
1: Yeah, now, I've poured the whole bottle in okay. because
0: it's supposed to be the best
1: one of the best beers in the world. We're having the whole lot. Yep,
0: yeah. now St Bernardus is an Abbey beer, they're, they're not a Trappist brewery, but it is for all intents and purposes supposed to be the same beer, yeah. Because as the story goes, St Bernardus used to contract brew Vest um for them. Um and I, I think, without going into the detail, there was a falling out, yeah, and uh the monks of the Saint Sixtus monastery decided that they no longer wanted their brewery their their beer contract brewed um so Saint. Bernardus essentially took the recipe and brewed the same beer essentially yes so yeah. this is this is what happened. And and listeners will have noticed at this point that we have been joined on on tonight's recording by the ever-present snoring Dave, (laughs) who who clearly... decided
1: he wanted to be in on the show.
0: Yeah, so um, hopefully the the, the dulcet snoring tones in the background won't send people to sleep for this this last segment.
1: Now, I've only had this beer, the uh, Vestvelta, in 12 once. So have I. Okay, Um, and you had it as part of your 12 beers of Christmas when you weren't
0: 100%. I, I had a heavy cold... I could hardly smell or taste anything, but being the trooper that I am, I still drank the beer on on that evening. Now, it's possible that I'm going to get a different experience from this one, because this one, by all accounts, is still a little bit young in in terms of when it hits its peak, which is apparently around two years after bottling is is when it hits its peak. So I, I think this is only a year old. Yeah,
1: now I had this May the 3rd, 2015. Don't know where where it was because it was uh, untapped before you could put in location and stuff like that. I'm assuming it wasn't bottle share because I haven't put bottle share on there.
0: We've not had this at bottle share.
1: Um, Maybe because we've updated the list recently. We're over 400 beers, aren't we, for bottle share?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I put down nice but a bit of menthol, which suggested to me that maybe it was a little bit oxidised.
0: That's interesting menthols are really interesting. That's what My I wrote. That's all I wrote it. down.
1: So I think I still liked it, but I think I was one of those times. You know, when you, it's a it's a hyped beer. Yeah, in the beer world,
0: it, it is. Well, it is, but it's it's hyped. I think purely by how difficult it is. Oh, to by its rarity
1: compared to the Saint Bernardus, which you can get much much more yeah. readily available. It is commercial
0: yeah now I, I will say now um, massive thanks to Paul at Two Brews in Colchester who came across a crate of this and he did let us have a few bottles we did buy them from him um, but he let us have a few bottles of this um, and obviously specifically this one for the show as well so we we've got to go with the uh, it's got, the we, it's got to be well, yeah we? so we've got to go there. this okay. is in the
1: Tint Meadow glasses Yep. cheers, so, cheers. Bready aroma for yeah, me. Yeah, a
0: little bit of. Um, they've got, they
1: are taken the liquid bread literally. Earthy. Yeah.
0: As well. Oh, this is really smooth, that is.
1: It's really smooth. There's, um, it's almost like a boiled sweet type of sweetness to it.
0: Yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, hints pear drop, maybe. Mm. On, on that.
1: Yeah, there is a, because pear drops weren't my favourite of the. Old school boiling yeah. sweets.
0: So let's let's try the um the, the AB twelve. At, I have that. had this
1: a few times and I'm a big fan of this range of beers.
0: Oh no, that's a completely different nose.
1: Yeah. None of that sort of bready aroma is there.
0: There's toffee there. There's again maybe a little hint of copperiness.
1: Yeah, but not uh, to the same extent as we had on the on the Vesmar, I don't no. think. initial initial taste is Loving the same bird as this,
0: it, it's smooth, but then it's got this really roasted finish, yeah. There, like, really hints of roasted, like flavors coming through on the end. There,
1: it's that's just gorgeous.
0: Though, I it? mean, they do they do taste different. I suppose to have done this purely in a scientific manner, we would have had to have got bottles that were bottled at the same time and the same yes. age and are developed at the same yeah. way. Uh,
1: because obviously, I mean, the best delta in it, firstly, has no label so we're basing on the fact that that's what it. makes
0: it so well no it's on the bottle cap it, it's got the date bottled on the bottle cap so what's that best before so it was the 22nd of the 11th 20 okay and this best
1: before says 04 11 21 yeah on the same bird of this but I mean I, I've always been I've, I've again because I've only had the Vest Veltran once but I've always been a big fan of the St. Burdard's range because you have, have you have the 8 and the 10 and the 12 don't you yeah
0: and they do a, they do a special for Christmas yeah. as well don't yeah. they yeah and I've had, I've had that as well I think. Yeah.
1: Um, I've always enjoyed these because these come in 750s as well oh do they with a cork wow
0: nice nice presentation exactly who doesn't again, like that but a little bit more commercial <laughs> just a little bit more commercial ok so while we tuck into this um, let's get on to the part of the show that everybody loves which is is where people have had a, a say about what we've been up to and they get their name read out let us know write it down let us know write it down let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness write oh it God. down so first up we had uh, Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert um, interesting show this week lads keen to try those alcohol free beers never thought I'd say that as for barbecue beers, I think of them as being supermarket-style beers. I enjoyed a mini keg of Adnams Ghost Ship Barbecue last year, 5 litres for 15 quid. Hashtag opinions. It's fairly much no, what well. I don't think we're going to disagree with what Miles no. has said there, have we? Um, second comment also from Miles as, as well. So um, also said but this, this was due uh, around <laughs> a conversation that we were having about length of the shows um he said don't apologize and whatever you do don't edit, ever edit the show shorter it's a real life conversation not the best bits of a chat that you two had makes it real and authentic i like the fact he thinks there's best bits in there yeah <laughs> excellent I, i've never never <laughs> known anyone to refer to it as, as best bits before uh, next up is from Mark at Beer Markey, who I met on Saturday at the London Craft Beer Festival. Um, sort of bumped into him and he said, Oh, I know you, you're Steve from the, the Beer and Show podcast, aren't you? <laughs> I was like, Yeah, hi. <laughs> um, so we were, we, we had a good chat, and then um, I mean, he he
1: tried your recommendation, didn't because he?
0: Because I, I saw him coming out of the Thornbridge area and I said to him, You have to try this. And then he went and got in the queue, and he tried it, and his feedback was, Okay, beer blend recommended by Beer at Show is incredible. Uh, Buxton Brewery double strawberry ice cream and Thornbridge Lucara assorted caramel. Both amazing singular together amazing. In so, block capitals. In block capitals. But
1: do you know what? That sentence, that bit there which starts Buxton Brewery and finishes in the word caramel... Anyone outside of the beer world reading that has no idea we're talking about beer.
0: No, not not with those flavours and double strawberry ice cream yeah. and
1: Lucaria salted caramel. If you'd even said five years ago, perhaps? Yeah. Those two beers A being two beers separately at a beer festival and then someone's having the bright idea of mixing them together, blending them, you like, What? Really? What are you doing?
0: Yeah. And you're you're not a fan of blending, are you? You you think beers are designed to be singular in the way they were presented by the brewer. Yes.
1: I probably waned slightly on that. Not because I've particularly tried it myself, but just from what other people have saying. So, you know, your comments about this one and other people saying it about that little blend. Um and just a few other little bits and pieces. I, I still believe if they, you know, the brewers should just make the beer. I think it was when they, you know there was a little rash of the black and tan? Yeah. None of that really worked for me.
0: I don't, I don't, I get, get, like, I don't I get the black and tan. I,
1: feel, I felt like I was wasting some of a beer. Yeah,
0: I don't, if, if I'm enjoying an IPA, I don't suddenly want to put an impy stout yeah. in it.
1: Whereas when we did those uh, weird beard and time and tide beers, they yeah. brewed each beer and then they did the blend, that you had that blended beer at the end almost, yeah. didn't you? Yeah and they had blended the way they thought it was going to be best and
0: didn't we way way back on the pilot show for this didn't we blend the Petrus yes. sours as, as again as well? but
1: they did uh, that was sort of like a recommendation oh, as sorry, well Petrus. wasn't it Petrus no, not, not Petrus Petrus but, but the Petrus beers they sort of uh, recommended it as well didn't yeah. they and, and we sort of played about with what sort of measurements and, and things like that so yeah I think there probably is a place for it but I think it just needs to be the right beers as well
0: yeah, well, I think I think there's probably a show in itself on blending. Uh, oh God, that point. could be, that could be messy. <laughs> <laughs> when is a show not? Let, let, let's be honest, we're finishing on a uh, two ten percent beers on two quads, yeah. Um, and the last one and, and this is one that you, I think you're going to relate to more than okay. me is is it wrong to spend the last two miles of a bike ride really wanting a nice cold Stella <laughs> at UK cycle chat at UK try chat hashtag opinions and that's from Rob Dixon at Rob Dixon UK
1: not at all the heat we've been having recently I'd really be interested to see if lager sales have gone up because I know that I've, in um, this the, this I think was the morning advertiser the summer
0: of lager. but
1: on sales have gone down but I'd love to know if they could break that down into lager sales yeah
0: I, I think I think lager sales have gone through the roof this summer.
1: Because I had that I had that uh I met up with an old colleague of mine before I went on off on holiday, an old boss of mine, and it was only a ten minute walk to the pub from the office, but it was a really hot day, yeah. half twelve. I saw Camden Hells and I just went Camden Hills and then I had another Camden Hells. It just seemed like the perfect beer to yeah. have at that particular time. I
0: mean, for fuck's sake, mate, there, there is a national Rhinebacker shortage. In in Audi of cans, you cannot get cans of Rheinbeck. Yeah, but
1: that's your fault. It's,
0: <laughs> I don't think it's solely my fault. Large part of it. But I, I just, you know, it's, it's. I, I honestly think it's been the summer of lager. I, um, I think the weather has lent itself to it perfectly.
1: Yeah, I, I, definitely. This, if there, if there was ever a season which has been like crying out for it, and then with the football that we had, the extended run that England had in the yeah. tournament as well.
0: Lager sales have got to have gone up, surely. Oh, without a doubt. You would you would hope, wouldn't you? Yeah. You would you would really hope. Um and then it's uh, it's Paul's question of the week. Questions, questions, fill my yeah. head. So Paul at UNRCD this week is asking us what is the best 440 ml core beer out there at the moment. You can't have Jaipur yet. To which I instantly responded, Jaipur's coming in 330 ml so yeah. it doesn't really count anyway. No. Um <sighs> I struggled with this one because I don't know do
1: do do a lot of them do their core beers in four forties? All
0: of Cloudwater are four forty, but they don't have core a beers. core range. And I really struggled to think of a brewery that does a core beer that I drink in four forty m- mil cans.
1: Well the only one that I used to drink regularly in four forty mil cans which would be considered core range would have been Adams Ghoship. And that was generally when I was on the inner city train. Going when I was back in Colchester. It'd be a train beer.
0: That's that. Well, you, now you've said that, that's the only one that probably springs to mind. Core I don't beers. think there are a lot that are doing core beers in in them.
1: But if we're wrong, and there is a distinct possibility
0: of that, then please let I us know. I'm sure people will let us know. And don't, don't ship's the only one that sprung to mind for me because well, of I'm, the train beer. I'm, I'm going with you on go ship then, because even my beloved Rhinebacker is 500 mils when I can get it in cans. There you go. And you you don't want it in 440s, do you? I don't want it. I want 500 mils of that. You know what, you know what, I fucking want a tall boy of that. (laughs) I'm allowed to say that because that's a different measure, apparently. (laughs) Um, So yeah, let let us know. Use the hashtag, as always, use the hashtag opinions. And we'll find it. And and we'll find it, and that's how you get in touch with us. So, um, we're going to have some final thoughts about the two 10% quads. What are you preferring out of the two? Right now, I'm actually preferring the Vesvalerton. Over the uh, St. Bernardus, the sharpness of that coppery taste in, in, in the St. Bernardus is making it hard drink for me, whereas the, the, the Vesphalerton has a, a lot smooth, smoother feel and finish to it for me.
1: I'm almost completely and exactly opposite to you.
0: That never
1: happens. I am loving the Saint Bernardus. I've been drinking the Vesfeltron because I actually it's a bit like when I have food on the plate, but I don't like it, I eat that first. Um So I like the Vesfeltrin, but the Saint Bernardus for me is much smoother. The aroma is so much nicer. Mm,
0: the bready aroma,
1: disagree. the bready aroma on the Vesfeltrin doesn't work for me.
0: Disagree, I really don't like the I really don't like the copperiness
1: on there. So for me, the Saint Bernardus is winning hands down this particular and, and one. And you know
0: what I think people are going to love the most is the fact that we're both pronouncing <laughs> it completely different. And I bet we're both pronouncing it, it wrong. Doing it wrong. <laughs> in, in, anyway. Anyway. Uh, um, I haven't done facts on these beers. I've done facts on all other beers. Can I can I have a little fact? Of course fact you can, moment? because I've, we've still got beers drink On these. So okay. some, who are you starting with? So I'm going to start with uh, Vestverlerteren, which is how I'm going with pronouncing <laughs> it. Um, so they've been around since 1838, uh, and for them, brewing is very much a means to an end. They produce three beers at, at the brewery. So they produce the six, the eight, and the 12. Um, Not
1: the similar numbering system so,
0: to St. Bernardus. So the six, I believe, is. A blonde, the 12 is a double and then the no, the, the eight is a double and then the 12 is the quad. At some point, there must have been a 10, one which, one assumes so, which must have been a triple because it seems six, eight, 12.
1: Yeah, so they, yeah, so they have so on untapped, he's got an eight, a 12, and a blonde. The six isn't listed, so maybe the blonde, I suppose the blonde is the six, did you I think, think. Blonde is the six, yeah, yeah. but is yeah, that, that's the blue cap, yeah, so. I wonder if the same Bernardus is the same then. So they had the 12, the triple, the 8, the 6. They had no 10 either. Okay. No coincidence either. That's then. interesting.
0: So coming back to that, so between 1945 and 1992, so it's like nearly a 50-year period, the, the, the their beers were brewed by St. Bernardus under licence. So that they produced the beers for them um, and then there was a falling out and as a result of the falling out neither brewery was allowed to use the name Saint Sixtus in 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 their beer in, I wonder anymore. who so someone must have arbitraged yeah I, I actually think it went I actually think it went to court there uh, had to uh, be over it for, for that to have that happen. would have been interesting and that is really interesting because the Vestvalerton Abbey with its huge long name is the Abbey of Saint Sixtus, but they're not allowed to use that in in relation to the name. Of must the beer.
1: Been, there must have been some sort of arbitrage going yeah, on.
0: Yeah. So now they produce four thousand eight hundred hectolitres of beer per year. Hang on, hang on, which is sixty thousand cases of beer. Now, but they it, haven't said how much is in a no, no, case. No, 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 because no, we're getting there. Because this comes in cases of twelve, so that's twelve bottles of beer per case. So that's 60,000 times 12, whatever that is. So we begin We begin to get an idea of Okay,
1: beginning to get numbers at last.
0: Yeah. The facts I've got about St Bernardus are very sparse, to, to be <laughs> fair, compared to all of the others. Um, so they still brew using the same recipes, and their site was previously a cheese factory. Ooh. That's all I've got on them. It's quite an interesting
1: one about the cheese factory. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: but they've been brewing since 1946 as well, which is interestingly... A year after, they started contracts brewing for Festival Brilliant. So, so my facts maybe are slightly wrong there.
1: Well, no, because it could have been the back end of 1945 yeah. to start of 1946. Then it would have to be two days different.
0: Yeah. So that's the end That's the end of our Trappist journey, mate. I've enjoyed it. We could
1: have done so many more Trappist beers, though.
0: We could have done all... We could. Do you know what the best show would have been to have got one from each brewery? And done all 12 Trappist breweries. Yeah, then the wheels would have come off. That would have been firmly off and on the floor. Um, so, what's coming next? Ooh, now oh, what's coming next? Ooh, live, live podcast experience. You lucky
1: people from Peak Ender. Yeah, so at least twenty lucky people at the moment, as far as we're aware, on the on the on the tickets. There are more available on the day.
0: They work from eleven a.m. on the Friday morning tickets will be available for all yep. of the live shows
1: um, obviously people will be camping overnight to get those
0: I would have thought so Um, We've already got a list of listeners that have already mentioned that they're going to be in the tent with us as we do our live show. I just want to give everyone a shout out. Um, So Adam Nicholson at Adam Nick, James at Gammon Baron, Daisy at Daisy underscore now, James Beeson at JD Beeson 16, Mark Johnson at Mark and Johnson and Simon Clark at Simon Carbon. Those are just a handful of the people that are going to be joining us for the live experience. Hopefully... Our listeners will be able to join us for that experience as well because we are going to be recording it. And we would like to give you all the opportunity to ask any questions that you may want us to put to the esteemed Thornbridge panel that are going to be on stage with us.
1: Yeah, looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, so we've got not only have we got Simon, who's the COO. Yeah, uh, we've got Simon, who works at Thornbridge, and I have it on good authority that we have Rob, who is the head brewer.
1: Now I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I'm, as, as well, you know, I'm looking forward to. I've never really been to the Peak District before, so I'm looking forward to the Peak District. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what Peak End is like, because Mark Johnson wrote a really good post about it, didn't he, before, about how yeah. just lovely it was. But no, I'm looking forward to the uh, excitement of doing it. Obviously, you've done live shows before, Steve.
0: I, I have, but in a very different environment.
1: Yeah, it was a smaller and more enclosed space at Hotspur and Black, but you've done the live show, so this will be my first yeah. uh, my first one, but I am looking forward to it. And it would be great to... Um, meet and see some of the people either for the first time or people we've met before
2: well we're
0: going to we're going to try and keep it high on audience participation yeah um, that's, that's key for us but we do want to give our listeners an opportunity to get involved they'll as well. also be so
1: high on Jaipur consumption
0: that too um, if you do want to ask a question of our panel uh, now is your opportunity use the hashtag #OpinionsLive, and we will pick up some of your questions and we will hopefully get an opportunity to ask them to our panel as part of the live show
1: yep and um, if you do get the chance and you are up there even if you can't get to the show um, let us know you're up there we'll bump into you
0: hopefully have a beer because we're there all day
1: yeah we're there for the day with our with our our families and I've got Michelle with me as well so Look forward to it, yeah.
0: and then and then after that, because we are then gonna we're gonna have a bit of a summer break. Yeah. So, so we're gonna have a few weeks off of recording. So you do have the next opinions on films coming up as well. There can only be one. Can, no, there can be only <laughs> one. Oh damn! Oh, only one. I can't believe you got that one wrong. Damn. Um, where we talk about Highlander. Yes. And drink lots of Scottish beers. It's all the Scottish beers and nearly some, and some Irish whiskey. Yep. And because yeah, we didn't drink enough Scottish beer. Abs- absolutely not. Because yeah. Drinking 8 and 9% beers at the end of that film was yeah. a hell of a lot of fun.
1: Uh, and it was good fun re, uh, reviewing the film, actually.
0: Yeah. And then our first show back for, I suppose, next season yep. will be our second birthday special.
1: There is a sour show coming up. I have now purchased those beers. Steve doesn't know what they are. Uh... They are hidden away. And it's a little bit of a sour journey. And we are hoping to do a little bit of live periscoping also while we're recording. When I say live periscoping, I mean showing what we're drinking and Steve's face.
0: Yeah. Um, as long as it doesn't detract too much from the audio recording, Well, that should ba- be fine. There'll
1: be a moment when you're putting a face which won't be recorded anyway. So that, that's,
0: that's true. <laughs> that, that's true. Um, so yeah, we've got a lot coming up. Yeah. Um, I think we're gonna to retire to finish our two yes. um quads because I don't think we're gonna get those finished be it before the, oh, end of the show. Although I
1: say, I say that but <laughs> mine are quite, looking quite low. Your, and I'm are. still definitely on the Saint Bird at this side.
0: I'm still on the Vesfler I
1: might let you have the rest of my Vesfelter and, well, and I'll take your Saint
0: Birders. I, I am happy with that swap. Okay. And on that, fantastic note.
2: Cheers. Cheers. We <laughs>